Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. And good morning to you. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Tim. How are you? I'm fabulous is how I am. I'm awesome. I couldn't be better. I couldn't I'm be better if they hear that. I were legally required to be so. Well, that makes my day. It's uh, five minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of August, in the year of our Lord 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for uh, joining us on this Monday. It is uh, Monday, and welcome to Day 12. If you'd like to join us, telephonically speaking, it is 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like. It's 52051. Or you can email. It is uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com, Sarah with an H at KUFO.com, Tim at KUFO.com, or uh, Greg Nibbler, our esteemed production assistant, can be reached at Nibbler, N-I-B-L-E-R-K-U-F-O.com. And by the way, in case you're curious, yes, it does smell like something's burning here in the studio. I'm sure it's nothing at all. Sure there's nothing to worry about. Greg just gave me the thumbs up. Yes. I'm sure there's nothing amiss at all in the rafters or perhaps in the wiring or any of the banks of electronic equipment that line the halls of this incredibly flammable building. Okay, don't worry about it, whatever you do. Uh, here's what's coming up later on the day. We'll talk to Oregonian uh, pop culture writer Christy Turnquist. We will assess the weekend box office, which largely consisted of aliens and Nazis. Um, I chose Nazis. I chose uh, I chose Nazis as well, Tim. Really? I, uh, I find that's your best cinematic choice. So I saw District 9 last weekend, saw Inglorious Bastards um, this past weekend. I don't know, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I'll just... I'll say that was a great 90-minute movie that was put into about five hours worth of cinema. Just sitting there looking at my watch. No, it's the uh, the Tarantino thing. I mean, it's a fine film, but God, it was long. Just seemed to go on and on and on forever and ever. They should have had it... First week, second week. There, well, because you wonder if now that he's uh, now that he did the Kill Bill one and two thing, which I think all told was like what three hours and forty five minutes. If he just sort of feels like he can do that from now on, you wonder if that was his plan with this. Because I remember watching it, what's it, Death Proof, which is part of that Grindhouse movie he did with uh, the Tarantino did with Robert Rodriguez. And I think when Death Proof, when it went to Cannes, I think it, I think he did the same thing with that, where he made he added like thirty five minutes to it or something. So in any event. So that was number one at the box office, but we'll talk to uh, Christy Turnquist about that. Uh, Evan Handler from Californication. Uh, he's also made appearances on uh, Lost and Sex in the City. He's going to join us uh, later on uh, this morning as well. We have a pair of tickets for you to see Joe Rogan. He's going to be at the Aladdin Theater this coming Friday. Uh, he's going to be uh, doing the color commentating for um, uh, for the UFC match on Saturday, but he's got his stand-up happening at the Aladdin Theater this Friday. And uh, well, a pair of uh, tickets for you to see that uh, as well. Tim Riley is uh, tracking the following headlines on this Monday morning. An incredible Monday morning, to be sure. The reality show model murderer has been found hanging dead in a British Columbia motel room. 
A beer drinking Muslim model's caning is delayed. A boy dies after being dragged by his own cow at the Alaska State Fair. And Elizabeth Edwards opens up a furniture store. Well, good for her. Did you see that the, uh, the what did what did the uh, the mistress and John Edwards are moving in together? Yes. Be one big happy family. I'm his sure. wife's got to ignore that too. That's what she does, Tim. All right. That's Good morning, no Sarah Dillon. How are you? Good morning. How's your morning going? It's very Monday. Yes, it is. All right. But good, I'm halfway through True Blood, and it's really, really awesome and ridiculous. I should have mentioned, so we'll have the True Blood recap later on this morning as well. That'll come up uh, around 8 o'clock. So let's quickly go around the room. Sarah, uh, Mad Men. Mm, no. I was going to watch it this morning, but our internet's not working. Tim, Mad Men. I was going to watch it, but I was too tired from the summer of rock. Greg, Mad Men. No, he... Greg doesn't watch Mad Men anyway. All oh, right, that's right. He doesn't. Rick Emerson, Mad Men. No. So I I taped it last night, or I you know I put it on my TiVo, and then I went to watch it, and my TiVo did this thing of just recording the audio, not the video. So I've got it's like Mad Men as radio play, and I skipped forward, seeing if it would like fix itself, and it and it and it didn't, and it wasn't. It's not the TiVo, and it's not. I, I mean, it must be something just with AMC. But the thing is, I didn't. I didn't get email from anybody else that had that issue. I don't know if it was just like in my little section of the of the woods or whatever. But but I, then I taped because you know the AMC they do that thing where they play it multiple times. They do it at like seven o'clock and then ten and then one or whatever. So I uh, I TV'd all three showings of Mad Men last night, and every time it just recorded the audio, but not a, but not the picture. Nothing. It was just a black screen and then just the sound. That's so. Yeah, so I was so actually I think Christy Turnquist is the only one this morning who will have seen uh, Mad Men. So I'm completely out of the loop. All I've got is emails from people saying that it was even better than last week, but it's like I couldn't, I can't really explicate beyond that. So, all right, what we're going to uh, play through the pain is. Uh, but of course, we all made time it. for True Blood. <laughs> That's right, Sarah. Got to prioritize. Boy, and I have to just real quickly, just the only thing I'll say about it, and then we'll get caught up because we got, it got kind of a late uh, start this morning. What with the uh, burning and all. This week's True Blood just sets a brand new standard for bad. I mean, it's bad in... There are so many ways in which it's awful that I... At a certain point, I just sort of lost track. I mean, I think last night, if there's going to be a jump the shark moment, I think last night may be it. I just... I could feel inside. I could just feel myself coming untethered a little bit from from any sort of hope that it was ever going to get better as a series. So we'll uh, we'll do a full recap on that coming up later on the day. It's 503 228 Four one zero one five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Straight ahead, we'll talk to Tim Riley at the news desk. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show. My humor comes from watching my parents have sex, smoke weed, my mom being naked on Rock One Hundred One KUFO. Don't miss a moment of the Rick Emerson Show, or you'll be filled with desperate, miserable shame. I was toilet trained at 12. Listen online, live, or via podcast at KUFO.com. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101-503-228-4101. You can also text if you like. It's 52051 coming up later on. Uh, Oregonian pop culture writer Christy Turnquist will be here. So I think it's going to be incumbent upon her to somehow not ruin Mad Men for the rest of us, even though I think... Because we'll have this thing that happens sometimes where we have all seen something and then she has missed it for whatever reason. So I guess because we're in some kind of the bizarro land this morning, she will be the only person here in the studio who's seen Mad Men. Here's the thing. I just I'm glad that 
Don't take this the wrong way. I'm glad you weren't able to see it either, Tim, or you, Sarah. So, I mean, if, if one of us has to miss Mad Men, I'm glad we, you know, glad we all missed it together. At the uh, news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland. 526 now. It's going to be back up into the 80s today. A mysterious woman. Yes, it was a mysterious woman who checked Ryan Jenkins into a Hope British Columbia motel room where he was found hanging. He's dead. Yes, it's a new mystery this morning. First, Jenkins accused of killing his ex-wife, a model whose body was so badly mutilated that they had to use her breast implant serial numbers. Well, he evaded a manhunt for days, and now he's been found dead. Last night, police responded to a call from a motel staff about a dead man, and then investigators who were part of the manhunt for Jenkins said... It was him. The manager of the Thunderbird Motel in the small town of Hope, British Columbia, and his nephew said they found Jenkins hanging from the bar of a coat rack by a belt. Good God Almighty. They said a young woman had checked him in to the two-story inn surrounded by trees. Now, the uh, a spokesperson for the Thunderbird Motel said Jenkins and the mysterious woman arrived Thursday in a Chrysler PT Cruiser with tinted windows and license plates from Alberta. Now, that is Jenkins' home province. He stayed in the car while the woman checked him in. She was a curvaceous blonde in her 20s, naturally pretty and very wholesome, said those who saw her. Wait a minute, so this is when? This ha- this happened on Thursday. So who, uh, so between... That is the mystery. So the, so between allegedly, well, he's dead, right? Yes. We, if he's dead, so we, we can. He's we, not we, allegedly dead. He we, is dead. We, so we can. Well, I don't know because yesterday afternoon, I started. We were hearing these reports that he that they'd found this body or that he was like uh, as you as you put it, just dangling from a coat rack somewhere. But apparently, that's no longer an allegation. That is, uh, he's uh, until he comes back to life, we will not, say he's dead. Not somewhat dead. He's actually dead now. So we we can probably drop the allegedly killed whatever her name was. The uh, the Playboy. He's a model the, murderer. The that's right. So. A vicious one. So that. between the time this this other blonde woman is killed and when they find That's him... really pretty. One of those wholesome young ladies. And when they find him hanging from a coat rack. So he then hooked up with some other woman with whom he checked into this hotel. Uh-huh. All right, so... Apparently he looks stressed out. He wouldn't look anyone in the eye. <laughs> really? Yes. Wow, that's a shocker. <laughs> they didn't recognize the man, although Jenkins' face had been all over the uh, news. In no way, shape, or form did he look like the man on TV. He looked spent. So why not check him in for three nights? He looked like one of those uh, douchebags that was always on television trying to tell you how to get out of debt quickly, no matter how much credit card, uh, you know, it, you know, red ink you may have racked up. Or like a co-host on some Girls Gone Wild. Exactly. Show. Totally. Like if the guy like you Joe get Francis when... Joe Francis' best friend. When you can't get Joe Francis, like that's the guy you hire to go on some sort of sorority bus. So the pretty lady pays cash for three nights, and then the couple didn't check out. So they unlocked the room and found him dead. But they don't know where she is. Correct. So that's the big mystery right now. Well, that's creepy. So A, that he would have been able to pick up on some other uh, hot chick. B, that they would have gone into the room together. She must have known who he was because his face has been, especially in Canada, his face has been everywhere. Uh And then he's dead and they can't find her. Also, the TMZ yesterday, and they've subsequently removed it, but TMZ put up... Uh, one of the photographs of what's her name, the dead, the dead model chick. Um, they uh, TMZ had a photograph, like one of the death photos that they put. Oh and it's, God! Well, and even you could tell that. I mean, it's weird that, it, that not even TMZ left it up because it was up for a couple hours and then they took it back down. They what retracted kind of it. State. Uh, I mean, you couldn't really see anything. It was kind of like that David Carradine photo. Or you like if you knew what you were looking for, you could kind of make out the vague shape of whatever. But it wasn't—I mean, it wasn't that explicit. Only because it was from far away and it looked like it was taken through a fence or something. But um, 
But it was you could tell they must have gotten a lot of flack. Somebody must have uh, have complained long and loud about that because they took it down. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. So that's it for now on that one. A housemate of a woman missing following a boating accident has been charged with criminal neglect, homicide, and drunken boating. Gerald Fitzgerald was found with the debris of his boat. Gerald Fitzgerald? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was found with the debris of his boat, brought to the hospital. They patched him up, and then they arrested him. His roommate, 43-year-old Marie Real, is presumed drowned. A lower homeowner who hit a gas line while gardening caused the evacuation of 10 homes on 173rd and Baseline yesterday. A man has been shot to death in Southeast. Cops responded to shots fired near Southeast Flavel and 60 at the 3 of the morning Saturday and found the dead body of a man in his room. They had fired right through the house. It may not be gang-related, they say this time. Then Gresham police say a 69-year-old woman turned her 1996 Geo Metro right at the intersection of 197th Avenue in Burnside against the flashing no-turn-right sign. She was then hit by a Max train head-on. Jesus. Happened about 40 feet from the intersection. Her name was withheld. This is one of those mornings where you can't wait to get here because you're right out of the gate with endless piles of bad news that you want to share with everybody. I, I have, can just... I have... Five piles of bad news. Okay, uh, one of the piles pile of you wish they're all about the same. Well, one of the piles of good news we haven't gotten to yet is your uh, is Tim Riley's appearance at the Pedal to the Metal show last night. I really rocked. In, I really uh, rocked. It's, did you wow. uh, have you showed Sarah your tattoo? Yes, he, he showed yeah. me early. Yeah. So uh, so Tim, I think that's going to be up on the website. Tim's right bicep is bedecked and adorned with a KUFO tattoo. And I got this text message from uh, from Paddock last night at around. I don't know, maybe 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, and it's just a Tim Riley just introduced Black Label Society. Awesome. And that's all I really know about it. I don't know. I'll have you tell the whole story later because I don't know anything beyond that. All I know is the one-sentence description that you were somehow on stage last night introducing Zach Wilde's band, which is like the best thing I've ever heard. I, I was the only one except for the uh, the KUFO crew who was not dressed in black. Well, of course, Tim. That's because you, uh, you're a man apart. You're cut from your own cloth. All right, straight ahead, we'll have more from Tim Riley coming up at the top of the hour. Seeing a radio correspondent, Amanda Moyer, will give us the latest on this, uh, what's his name, this jackass, this Ryan Jenkins guy who's dead. Uh, Seeing a radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins, coming up later on today. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian and from Californication, Evan Handler. Plonk. And so forth. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Stay there. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101. KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere. I'm a feminist, but look at my boobs. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It is Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's Monday morning. It's 503 228 4101-503-228-4101. You can also email if you like it is uh, rick at rickemerson.com. In mere moments, we'll be rejoined by Tim Riley from the uh, news desk. So, just in case you were wondering, if we uh, if we sounded ever so slightly giddy this morning, that's only going to increase because we... Uh, Everything's going wrong. Uh, <laughs> Let's just say that. It's, it's hilarious, but... Can you uh, sweeten my microphone ever so slightly? Thank you. So, we're having uh, a series of technical... Not problems. There are no problems in radio. Uh, we, we have uh, technical Challenges? opportunities, opportunities, Sarah. Uh, there are some hurdles that we're getting past this morning. 
Starting by uh, telling you this, so I came in, and you know, I don't know how it is wherever you work, but you, you know, you log on to your computer, you type in your login and your password, and it takes a couple minutes to boot up. And so I think my computer took, which we did expect this, to be fair, we knew this was going to happen because over the weekend, we were transitioning all of our computer stuff from one set of servers to another, but it took me 35 minutes uh, to log on in my office. It took it, me about, it's like having dial-up. Exactly what it's like. It took me about 25 minutes to log on uh, in here, and then we were having some issues with printing things and whatever. So... All of that notwithstanding, we went to this uh, last set of songs, and uh, we're doing this, uh, you know, this, this sort of, um, um, we're doing this event where we're gathering school supplies for uh, for the youth, for the young people. And normally, I would just play this call back later and pretend that it's live. We would just sort of, you know, we would just sort of try to pass it off as some sort of an as it happens, uh, you know, uh, event. But there's no point in doing that now because we really. There's something that happened during this last break. So we're taping a phone call with this guy Funk, who's part of the air staff here, and he's out. He's out at the, um, uh, the Safeway in Beaverton at uh, Marine Cornell, and he calls in during the last set of songs, and we record this call with him for to, to play back. And as part of that, Sarah is recording the call on to this computer here in the studio to edit back and then to, to play back. And his phone is making the weirdest noise because he's got it's like a cell phone where it's got the weird warbly sound, and plus it's making kind of a clickety clack noise as well. Have you isolated that sound? Yes, yes. All right. The, the so, nip man helped me. So tell me that this doesn't sound like we're talking to some sort of a Dr. Zoidberg-esque crustacean. And again, normally this is the kind of thing that we, we would just... Pl- you'll hear this call played back in, I don't know, probably five or six minutes in its entirety. And it's going to sound more or less live. But I'm just telling you right now that it's... It's all cleaned up now, too. We yeah. took out the Zoidberg thing. <laughs> I'm telling you right now it's not live. And I'm telling you that so you can so you can hear this, which is one of the sounds we had to edit out of the call... Because every time I would try to talk to him, there would just be this <laughs> noise in the background, like we were talking to a giant clam. The, do you have the... Uh... So this is the sound of, of his cell phone. And then there's sort of like a weird kind of a warbling sound happening. <laughs> we're just replaying it over and over. Imagine that happening on and on for like 35 seconds doesn't it it sounds for all the world like we're talking to uh it, like we're talking to a mollusk on it the does. other end of the phone all right well then that could be the high point of his career so far seriously all right at the news desk ladies and gentlemen this is your personal savior tim riley in the news with tim riley good morning everyone from the kufo news center in downtown portland 546 it's going to be back into the low 80s today beaverton police are looking for three guys who ransacked and robbed a second-hand Hispanic store over the weekend. Two employees were told to get down on the ground, and they were duct-taped at the firm clothing store in the 12,000 block of Allen Boulevard. Then they ransacked the place for some unknown reason. Two suspects who impersonated Quest employees have been arrested and charged with burglary after police responded to reports of them acting suspiciously in a Happy Valley neighborhood. They were dressed in Quest garb and told folks they were working the area. They were but in unsavory activities. Stolen property from at least 10 homes were found at one of the fakers' homes after police searched it. Well, President Obama begins his vacation in not a moment too soon. He's going where all rich Democrats go, Martha's Vineyard. It is a week-long vacation on this Massachusetts island. He may stop by and see the ailing Ted Kennedy while he's out there. Then, Malaysia abruptly granted a Ramadan reprieve to the first Muslim Malay woman to be sentenced to caning for drinking beer, but insisted the thrashing will take place after the Islamic holy month of fasting. 
This 32-year-old mother of two had been on the way to women's prison for caning when Islamic officials took her into custody, drove her back home, and released her. The sentence isn't canceled, though, but she was caught drinking beer in a hotel lounge in December 2007. Wait a minute, so she's still going to be beaten, but they're not going to beat her right now. Right. So she gets to sit around and sort of think on it for a while. while and they drink a little bit more. Well, <laughs> Well, and I mean, I mean, if they, I mean, if they're going to beat you anyway, you might as well get your drink on a little bit more. You know what I mean? Violate a few more of God's laws if you're still going to be punished for it. This is kind of interesting. Ryan Jenkins, a model murderer, found hanging. He's a model whole... murderer. He's really what every murderer should aspire to be. Well, the dramatic end came at an isolated motel on the edge of British Columbia's mountainous interior, a town known for its giant wood carvings made with chainsaws, and as the site of the first bloody Rambo movie. So I'm still back on this business of him checking into a hotel with some, some woman who is blonde who is unknown 20s. to us. Maybe he's just, I mean, does he have some kind of personal magnetism that maybe we don't fully appreciate? Is he able to just uh, pick up women left and right or something? Not anymore. I suppose that's true. But it went on for quite some time. Am I the only one who saw this photograph that was on TMZ, though, of yes. the uh, of the dead girl? Yes. I kind of want to, even though I don't. But see, the thing is, uh, you see, and you, 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 uh, there's no shame here, Sarah. I went online and looked at it. But it's but uh, I was going to say it's disappointing, but that makes me sound like an awful person. It's just that it's not, uh, you can't really see anything. There's, it's very anticlimactic. Um, what is What was her name? I don't know. What was the name of the? Uh, um, what was the name of the the girl? The yeah, the, the Playboy model, girl? Uh, let's see, a dead girl. Uh, uh, it's, no, it's, I'm completely. It doesn't matter it. anymore, really. I mean, yeah. I mean, she, you know, I from, mean, there there are plenty more like her. Oh, uh, Jasmine Fiore. That's right, Jasmine Fiore. So I had gone to because you know you can go to Google and you can see what the most searched terms are. What people are you know what your fellow Americans are looking for today. And that was, I think, number one, number three, number five, and like number ten through fifteen was variations on the phrase jasmine fiore death photo and so you know i'm not going to pretend to be a better person than i am immediately i clicked on it i have to see what that's all about and the story it wasn't even really links to the photos as such it was just links to bloggers who had written articles about how tmz had posted the picture and then they had taken it down so you have to ask yourself like what yeah it's number five right now the number five search yeah like like in what kind of world is tmz ashamed of something it makes it makes you wonder if tmz if that photo was illegal or something, or if they, you know, if they, if they got it from the police department, or if they, or if they somehow, if they were violating some kind of a court order, maybe. But I'm not saying they were. But it's, it's like, why would they take it down? TMZ's posted all kinds of weird, vile, off-putting horrible, things horrible. over the years. They were first with the Michael Jackson death. That is right. They well, they had the Michael Jackson thing, and then they also had the. Um, did they? They didn't publish. But see, they didn't publish the Carradine thing. They never did publish the David Carradine photo. I don't think. So I, there must be some sort of weird procedure that they have for what they'll put up and what they won't. Uh, but of course, once it's online, you know, it's like you know, everybody sort of gets screen captures of it anyway. But it's uh, it's all very vague. It's like uh, it's like you're looking through a fence and you can just kind of see like the shape of something. But to be honest, if you had was it like the suitcase? I I, I guess. But I mean, when I say it's a suitcase, I only am saying that because that's how the photo is described. Like you would never you would never have been able to tell what it was if I. If I had just shown you the photo and said, "What's this?" You never, you would never in a million years have been able to guess that it was. I guess it's a cop who is standing over the suitcase where they found what's her name, Jasmine Fury, the, the girl. But 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 like, if it was like a game of Pictionary, you would have that would have been a fail. You never would have been able to pick that out of a lineup or anything. All right here's uh, Tim Riley. A man from New Jersey was trying to be the second person to swim across California's Monterey Bay, but stinging jellyfish in cold water stopped him. Bruckner Chase started swimming near Santa Cruz Wharf. 
He tried to make the 25-mile swim to Lover's Point at Pacific Grove. More than six hours into a swim, the jellyfish were stinging his face and arms, and the cold water was just too much, even for someone from New Jersey. The jellyfish sometimes felt like leather straps around his arm and torso. He couldn't wait to return to the Central Coast and try it again sometime next year. I'm just picturing them hauling him out of the uh, the water, and he's just sort of completely wrapped in them, and he's just absolutely covered. And Are... by the way, the only person known to swim across Monterey Bay is a girl. Monterey Bay? 30 years ago. Wait a minute. Where's Monterey Bay? I know it's in Monterey. But that's that Monterey Bay, like in California? Yes. I you thought know, Monterey... You know the peninsula kind of sticks out yeah. and juts back in. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the handle on Washington State. Are jellyfish the, the same thing as... What are those? Th- what are those things I'm thinking of? There's manta rays, but that's not what. I- manta rays are the things that look like pancakes with tails. That's right? the thing that uh, killed yeah. the uh, that guy in uh, Australia. I can't think of his name. The one with the crazy little girl, Steve Irwin. Yes. So Steve Irwin was killed by a manta ray. That's correct. Okay. And then there's jellyfish. What's the thing that's like a jellyfish? Not squid. Then there's something else. It's like it's a uh, uh, it's like a jellyfish in that it's like just a big gelatinous thing that floats around. Anyway, the thing is those those terrify me. I mean, there's something. Have you really ever been big. stung by one? No. No, oh, when we were in Mexico, no, my sister that. was. One of no. them wrapped its uh, tentacle around her leg. And she really? Had, like, these, yeah, these stripes around her leg. Now, when she uh, when she swam to shore, did it come with her? No, no. Did she get, she can get out of the water and was like dragging yeah, I mean, the water? Yeah, something. she was swimming and then it kind of like wrapped itself around her leg and then she kicked it off and was screaming and stuff and then got it off and but when she came out, there were just red welts. Because they kinda don't like, actually look like a candy cane kind did, of. But they don't attack you, right? That's the thing. It's like a totally passive. Deal. You have to bump into them. Yeah, but them they or also something. don't move. So I mean, like you, you can't see them, and then if you bump into it, then it's uh, uh, like drifting through a gelatinous minefield oh, filled yeah, with tentacles. Uh, all right, let's do uh, one more here, and then we'll get uh, caught up. Well, gutless Democrats pushed ahead for a compromise half overall over liberal complaints, intent to achieve tangible if modest success, which means nothing, on the president's health bill. The president, sick and tired of listening to him, went on vacation. Uh, we're going to pass a bill. Uh, not only are we going to do it, it, it it'll be sweeping legislation. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. Meanwhile, the biggest whiner of them all, Lieberman, says, we can't do this now. I <laughs> think it's a bad idea for the president to go on vacation, even if that's what it is. He shouldn't call it that. I mean, I mean, cause he got uh, elected in uh, November, so November, December. So I guess it's been almost a year. But it's just man of war. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. Mm. Oh, okay. Greg just typed it on the screen. It's a man of war. Is that a listener who said that? Yeah, it's exa- that is exactly what I'm thinking of. And here's the reason I'm thinking of a man of war, because there was this episode of Flipper where Sandy got attacked by a man, or not, I guess maybe not attacked, but there was an episode of uh, a Flipper where Sandy was stung by a man of war while he was floating out at sea, and then Flipper had to, you know, ah! and had to come out and sort of, you know, what, had, to, had to go tell Chip, or I guess I'm conflating the, the Flipper kids with the, uh, with what's it, with the, uh, the, the, the My Three the Sons kids. the second one, yeah. Who are the other kids in, in Flipper? It was only My Two Sons on Flipper. There was, there was Sandy, and what's the other kid's name? Bud. Sandy and Bud. No, 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 no. Now, that's, see, you're, again, you're thinking of My Three Sons. No. Bud was the guy from My Three Sons. Isn't that the William Frawley-looking guy? No, that was Bub. Bub. All right. Okay. This is Bud. So, wait a minute. Bub and My Three Sons, was Bud and Sandy on Flipper. Now, was that William Frawley? Yes, that was, that was William Frawley. It wasn't a guy who looked like William Frawley on My Three Sons. It was the actual William no. Frawley. That would have been and, after... And he, got, he got hit by a car crossing the street to get back to his house and died and right off of Hollywood Boulevard. Died alone and unloved, Tim. He lived at the Nicobarco Hotel. That's how bad off he was. Was years. that after I Love Lucy? Yes. So he, he did not... He lives with his sister in a hotel room. Really? Yeah, believe he did, it or not. He was on I Love Lucy and he died living with his sister in a hotel room? Yes. Is that the, the, because he didn't save his money or is that just how actors were treated then? No, he was treated very well then. I, 
He just, enjoyed uh, the races. Did and, he squander on the ponies? I was just going to ask if it was on the horses. Yes, for the All most right. part. Awesome. But he had a good time doing it. <sighs> Jesus. All right. Well, we got nothing done in this segment. Not that, you know, you didn't get anything done. I got none of my patented. I had no intention of accomplishing anything anyway. I didn't get any of my, uh, I didn't get any of my trademark witty observations made here because I kept interrupting myself to ask questions about William Frawley you betting on the horses. You yourself to ask yourself questions. Yes. We got three more hours to go, though. Back after this, live from Portland. The Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only. On Rock 101, KUFO. KUFO, Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. It's Monday morning, 503-228-4101. Straight ahead, we have more news from Tim Riley coming up later on this hour. Christy Turnquist, pop culture writer from the Oregonian. Evan Handler from Californication will be joining us at 7 o'clock, and uh, we'll have our recap of True Blood later on uh, today as well. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, our good friend uh, Amanda Moyer. Good morning, Amanda. How are you today? Good morning. I'm well. How are you today? I am, uh, I am fantastic, but, but confused. We've got this Ryan Jenkins guy, and he's the, the reality TV uh, contestant. They find him in uh, Canada, and I guess, they, I guess they found his body. He's dead, and he was... Uh, uh, he was accused of 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 killing this uh, uh, this model, this uh, Jasmine Fiore girl. But the story is that he he checks into this hotel in Canada with some other woman, right? If I got, am I hearing that correctly, or is there something that I'm missing there? No, that's correct. Uh, the manager at the motel where uh, Jenkins' body was found says that a woman dropped Jenkins off at the motel on Friday. She was driving a silver PT cruiser with Alberta tags, but police have not been able to identify that woman. They are searching for her. And they discovered that he was dead. I guess this is one of those things where the maid eventually goes into the room or something, and then they and then they find his body. Um, was there any? Uh, kind of indication that they had, I don't know, they had a lead on who this other woman might have been? Because it's, it's just creepy, frankly. I mean, if he, you know, he hooks up with this model that allegedly kills her, and then when they when they find him, they they find out that you know, between between the crime and discovering his body, he's managed to, to hook up with somebody else, or at least has made contact with somebody else. It's just the whole thing is very strange. It is very bizarre, and they're looking to see if anyone else helped him get to Canada. Uh, he is from Canada originally, but uh, the the killing took place in California, so it's about a thousand miles of uh, being able to avoid authorities, and uh, they're searching to see if anyone else did help him, but uh, they do believe that the woman who dropped him off at this motel did help him because... Uh, he had ditched his SUV and apparently a boat somewhere. So uh, for him to get to this motel, and apparently she also uh, paid three days cash. So Friday through uh, Sunday, and then that's when the motel employees went in because they thought he had checked out or was supposed to check out. And that's when they went in and found him, and he had hanged himself. It's especially weird when you consider the fact that his face has been all over every television screen on planet Earth for about the last uh, four or five days or something. So, I mean, there's there's really nowhere you could go if you were that guy and not have at least somebody in a coffee shop somewhere go, Oh, wait a minute, I just saw you on the news moments ago. The whole thing is uh, very unnerving. All right. Well, on that note, Amanda, thank you for joining us. We will uh, talk to you again sometime in the near future. All right. Sounds good. CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer, ladies and gentlemen. What uh, headlines are we following for the good people of Portland, Tim Riley? Well, we're going to hear from the ex-boyfriend who Jasmine Fiore was texting the night before she was murdered, and also uh, her mother, who they were both on the uh, Today Show just moments ago, so we'll hear back on that. Uh, Elizabeth Edwards, we told you, is opening up a furniture store. Obama's on vacation. 
And friendly neighbors give a woman a kidney. I was just uh, during the last break noting to Sarah that uh, the, the, I showed you the uh, that photo that yeah, TMZ had put up. See the, what I mean about how it it's no, completely nothing. It's innocuous. Too blurry, though. yeah. Uh, it, Unless maybe they like they discovered that something was shown on the picture that they didn't realize was before. Like how you thought that maybe that was a leg. I think it's a photograph. From what I could tell, it's like a photograph of a cop. But it's taken through a chain link fence, I think, to begin with. So it's, it's sort of blurry from the outset. But it's a cop, I guess, looking, uh, looking at the, what might be the suitcase or whatever, and you can see what in the foreground what looks sort of like it might be one like a leg or something. But but again, I I don't even really know. So I'm guessing when they took it down, it's either a because as you said it revealed something they weren't supposed to, or they they somehow didn't have the legal clearance to show it. I think TMZ's pretty, uh, they're pretty careful about making sure that they've got the rights to show whatever it is they do. So. And Harvey Levin's case. a lawyer, so he must know. That's the uh, thing, and they don't want to get tagged if they you know, if they have access to some video they're not supposed to have access to. Well, that suitcase was kind of small, and it's kind of that makes it even more creepy. The whole thing is, well, she's, you were noting this, that she's a strange-looking girl to begin with. I mean, she, I, I say that she looked like an anime character. I mean, she looks like she, you know, she looks like a Bratz doll. That's kind of the thing she about totally her. Does. That Jasmine Fiore. She, she did not look. I mean, she didn't look like a normal human girl to begin with. There was something really odd looking about her. As much as people say that the girls who were in Playboy all kind of look the same, she did have this sort of bizarre, uh, like her facial makeup was very weird. Typical LA woman, really. I guess, except she had like weird alien eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Like they were just, they were like, they were huge for one thing. She had these eyes that were big, and they were sort of um, like True Blood eyes. Kind of, but I. But she just she had very exaggerated facial features. I bet if you found a high school graduation picture, she probably has boils on her faces and, and dreadlocks or something. It doesn't look anything like that. Probably. By the way, I'm looking at the. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, at the 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 Google Trends page here, where you can see what people are searching for, and it's interesting to see that right after there's Jasmine Fury death photo, True Blood episode uh, search, and then right below that it just says "You who chocolate drink." So there you go. It's what your uh, it's what your countrymen are talking about today. You who chocolate drink. Uh, we're not going to talk about William Frawley or my three sons anymore. But I am just going to go back and just say that you are correct. That that uh, that man of war creature is what I was thinking about. Not so much the jellyfish. And somebody sent me a photograph of the the man of war, and it's it's similar to, but not the same as a jellyfish, which is what was attacking that guy who was swimming across Monterey Bay. So just FYI, so we can move on from that like forever. Straight ahead, we'll have more from Tim Riley coming up later on this hour. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will be here to talk about Mad Men, which none of us saw. Uh, we'll talk about the weekend box office. Tim and I uh, both saw Inglorious Bastards over the weekend, and uh, we will speak with Evan Handler from Californication. That's all on the way. It's the Rick Emerson Show, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere at all times to everyone. As a rock star, you know, I was being a rock star in the music through Lump Biscuit and the rock star. The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503 228. 4101, thank you for joining us. Coming up at 640, we'll touch Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian about the weekend box office and uh, Mad Men. So your excuse for missing Mad Men, Tim, is what? Because I actually, I, I, not only did I attempt to watch it, I attempted to watch it three different times. And every single time, my TiVo screwed me somehow. Well, I, I was at the uh, the Summer of Rock uh, Pedal to the Metal concert, and I really brought on the rock so much. That I fell asleep like two minutes after I turned on my television. Rocking was your business, and business was good. Yes. So good that you were you were not able to stay awake to watch Mad Men. That's correct, yes. Did you say that when you were walking the dog later, you could actually hear the metal still being brought? Yes. 
That's great. And I could hear the lead singer screaming. <laughs> what was he screaming, Tim? Was it something... Uh... Was it something uh, um, uh, encouraging or positive? Well, it was to the crowd, yes. It, it began with an F, and I won't complete the rest, but you can hear it loud and clear like five miles away. People living there must have, where is this coming from and why am I being cussed at? I'm just picturing uh, your neighborhood bathed in the golden glow as it always is, and then from over the hills and far away, just sort of a... <laughs> and then the guy just screaming the F word over and over again on stage. Awesome. You bet some phone calls are made. Uh, As to the origin of this. Homeowners Association. I am hearing a copious amount of profanity floating through the air of Tannisborn. I do not appreciate this. And had it not been me, uh, had I not been there and not known, I would probably be the first person to write. So what is it? How is it that you came to be introducing Black Label Society on stage? Well, Susan Reynolds says you're on stage in 30 seconds and... This is the first time I've never auditioned for such a job, just as I was walking in. So you, uh, so you arrived at the... Uh, said, Please follow me through the swampland <laughs> and step on stage and talk. This is in Hellsboro at the, yes, the Washington County Fairgrounds. So you, uh, so you get there, and immediately they said, by the way, you're introducing Nickelback. Get ready. Or uh, not Nickelback. I'm just uh, doing a... And I'm projecting well, already into the next, next hour. One. That'll be the next thing you do. Okay. Uh, so she said, you're introducing Black Label Society. And were you just sort of uh, pushed out onto stage to uh, to greet the crowd? Pretty much. Were they an enthusiastic group of people? Yes. And Art Webb was here with me on stage because previously he was supposed to do this solo, and then I got pushed on him, much to his surprise. Please tell me that there's photographs somewhere of you introducing Black Label Society. I hope there is. I don't know that for a fact. I just want a picture there, of you. There, there, there are pictures of me in my new tat that I had put on my arm. I'll take phrases that sound unnatural coming out of Tim's mouth for a thousand. I just want a picture of you and 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 Zach Wild sort of standing next to each other on stage somehow. That's really that's the that's the only thing this story is lacking. All right. Uh, so Christy Turnquist will uh, sort of circumspectly recap Madman, I guess, for all of us who who haven't seen it. All I know is that I was checking my email last night and people were saying that it was even better than the you know than the first episode of the season. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to watching that. You know, like whenever technology decides that that'll be allowed. Uh, coming up at 7 o'clock, we'll talk to Evan Handler from Californication, and uh, we will have uh, Lisa Desjardins coming up at 8 o'clock. What uh, headlines are we following for the people of Portland, Tim Riley? I'm glad he's dead. That's a comment from the ex-boyfriend of Jasmine Fiore. He was on television moments ago. So was a dead model's mom. A state patrol car struck a 21-year-old woman over the weekend in the coup, and a woman pulled from a lake bottom in Cougar, Washington, is dead. All right, well, there you go. So we come back, more of those pick-me-up stories as only Tim Riley can deliver them. Plus, uh, Christy Turnquist will talk about the weekend box office. We'll discuss the new Tarantino film, which was, uh, I think, number one by a pretty substantial margin. Uh, we'll discuss that, and we'll get uh, your phone calls, etc. You can also text if you like. It's 52051. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Monday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere at all times to everyone. As a rock star, you know, I was being a rock star in the music through Lump Biscuit and the rock star. The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO Monday morning, and good morning to you. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. 
228-4101. Coming up at 7 o'clock, Evan Handler from Californication will be joining us. Uh, which I'm I from finished Sex and the City. This weekend, by the way, I finally am caught up uh, on the Californication Lock, Stock, and Barrel. And I attempted to, the, to uh, get you the first couple episodes of that. And I was having some weird technical issues seem to not be confined to this room or this building. I was having some weird uh, sketchiness at home. Well, as as evidenced by the Mad Men thing. So I uh, I endeavored to get you the first few episodes of Californication uh, this weekend. And okay. uh, that didn't really come together. So I'll get you caught up, though. But this I am I am totally caught up. I'm up to speed. I have finished season two because season three is going to be uh, launching here in uh, just a couple of weeks. So we'll talk to Evan Handler from Californication coming up at eight o'clock. Uh, Lisa Desjardins from CNN Radio and so forth. Tim Riley, what headlines are we following for the people of Portland today? Senator Lieberman tells Alec Baldwin, make my day. It seems that Alec may be considering running for Joe Lieberman's seat. Imagine that. Beaverton police are looking for three guys who ransacked and robbed a store. And the housemate for a woman missing following a boating accident has been charged with criminal neglect. The woman is presumed drowned. And, of course, the ex-boyfriend... Of Jasmine Fiore found hanging. He hanged himself at a British Columbia motel and a sleazy one at that. It's all very creepy. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Oregonian, uh, pop culture writer extraordinaire, Christy Turnquist. Good morning to you. Good morning. How's life? How are things? <laughs> um, when I wake up, things are going to be just great. Hey, sister, you, you know, I, I have to say I all the respect in the world for coming in like a full, almost a half an hour earlier than you normally do, and you normally come in way earlier than you would be up and around anyway. So This is true. So I appreciate that. So I don't know if you're uh, if you're a fan of Californication. Um, actually, I don't get Showtime, and I haven't seen it. It's, uh, it's a great show, but we found out that Evan Handler, like everybody we talked to, has also done a round on Sex in the City. He was, he was a main character, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Charlotte's uh, husband, Harry Golden. Because they got yep. married toward the end of the series or later on in the series? Uh, they got the married deal? at the beginning of the sixth season. Okay, so... Uh, I, I have a problem with Sex and the City. I don't know. He's, he's, somebody, else's, uh, he's somebody else's invisible something or other on Lost. He's Hurley's uh, invisible uh, friend. He is indeed. He's totally creepy in it. Yeah, he's, he's... So he's the center of the pop culture universe. He really place. is. indeed. He also... I was uh, I was reading up on him this week and I was reading his Wikipedia entry and he had the most... I mean, it's. I, I think everything is sort of handled at this point, but when he was like 23, Three, he got leukemia. Yeah, I remember which is that. like right out of the gate when he was in his twenties, he got hit with that, and he ended up writing uh, two books about it. He wrote two books, and he did a one-man show yeah, about what it was like to battle leukemia at a young age. So uh, anyway, so and plus he was on the West Wing. That's the other thing. He was also on the the third season, I believe, of the West Wing. He is in the same season where they bring in Ron Silver as a political consultant. He's one of the guys who comes in and fights with Bartlett's existing staff about how to present the president's message for re-election. I forgot all about that until just now. You I had to be flawed. Good. What has he not done? Right, seriously. <laughs> uh, see, now I, uh, now, now I just feel like I'm not even worthy to speak to him. So, um, I should tell you first and foremost that none of us saw last night's Mad Men. So, Tim was out introducing Black Label Society, strangely enough. I wish um, I'd been there for that. Sarah, I was at home watching a crappy movie. Sarah usually watches a crappy <laughs> film, and, some, and I'll burn it to, you know, to DVD and, and bring it in, but I wasn't able to do that, so she hasn't watched it because I wasn't able to bring it in because my TiVo recorded only the sound, not the picture. That happened to me the other day. I was trying to record um, Top Chef Las Vegas, and all I had was sound. It was like radio. That was my thing. And, and I thought, well, okay, this is just, uh, there's some glitchiness with my TiVo. There's something weird going on. But, you know, everything else taping fine. Everything else, yeah. all the other channels seemed to be going splendidly. It was really just Mad Men. And it was just uh, last night. And it was all three showings. Yeah. So, I have, uh, so I have no idea what happened. <laughs> all I know is that the, we, about, the, I don't know, 10 days ago, we had some spoiler 
that Peggy was going to was going to smoke pot. That's all. And I don't even know if that came to pass. So you can tell us. Um, did I watch Matchmen? <laughs> Mad Men? Let's see. I'm trying to remember. Peggy went out on a on a date. And I don't necessarily recall that there was pot smoke. See, and I think that would stand out. That's the leak from the third episode. Yeah. Okay, so I think that was not last night's episode. Yeah, I think that happens because both of them had leaked. Because iTunes had put up episodes two and three too early in the store, and that had gone out on that. Okay, so apparently at some future time, Peggy's going to be she's going to be smoking weed or whatever. No, Peggy is definitely starting to uh, explore. New avenues. She's kind of you know starting to emulate the men a little bit in terms of being out there. Getting some fun. Well, there was that weird episode. I think it was last season. Was that last season where she ends up going to like a like a burlesque club or something? And Pete Campbell is there, and there's all like all the creepy guys are there, and she has the dress on, and she's put on a lot of makeup, and looks a little slatternly. Yeah. And the uh, and is and it, you see that she's kind of trying to ingratiate herself with the guys, yeah. but at the same time, it's just all very. Uh, they, it's yeah. very ill fitting. It makes you feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I, I think she's getting sort of more uh, more into the. The, the early swinging 60s mode, you know, now that she's got her new hairdo and a better wardrobe. And yeah, so she's 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 trying to she's trying to come into her own. And actually, Betty had a few um, sort of more assertive moments last night, too. But the main takeaway for me was the indelible image of Anne Margaret at the beginning of Bye Bye Birdie. Which is how the episode opens. Remember that beginning That's, where she I remember just, that part. Yeah, then she, I fell asleep. She that was actually singing her. Bye Bye Birdie, <laughs> and she's wearing that weird kind of yellowish dress. Um, Anne Margaret is kind of a motif in the episode. Is Anne Margaret still alive? Yes. Yeah. How old is Anne Margaret? Oh, jeez. I mean, she she's got to be. She's got to be seventy-five, right? At, at least. least. Yeah. 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 Least. I mean, something like that. The, yeah. I do know this. I know, and again, I haven't seen last night's Mad Men because of all the reasons we just described. So I don't. I, I, I don't know anything. I'm just just saying that the word is that this season ends with the Kennedy assassination. There was a little bit of foreshadowing because, you know, Roger Sterling, you know, he's he's married his right. young chickie. Um, his daughter showed up in last night's episode, and they were discussing her upcoming wedding, which is scheduled for November 23rd, 1963. Which is the day of the Kennedy assassination. The day after. The day, oh, the day after. after. The so, day after. I have a uh, feeling her wedding is not going to go off quite gonna as go, planned. Uh, it's going to go poorly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, well let's do this. Let's talk about the uh, the weekend box office then, because we've got so it was like aliens and Nazis. There was District Nine and there was Inglorious Bastards. I saw District Nine, uh, I guess ten days ago, two weekends ago, whatever it was. And then you, Sarah, saw District Nine as well. I saw it last week. And Tim, you opted for Nazis for me. <laughs> Nazis over here, please. So you opted for the Tarantino film. We'll start with yes. you, Tim. What did you uh, What did you think of it? I I liked the story. It had a surprise ending. It felt overly long. And what it, what made it feel long, you know, the actors were fantastic in it all, except for Brad Pitt. Uh huh. It seemed like I am trying to put on my best Southern accent, <laughs> and I'm not doing very well. And he came across like a comic strip actor inside of a drama. I mean, it was a Southern accent. No, it was like a, it was a full on like Bill Compton uh, from Bon Ton I mean, accent. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was yeah. really bad. It was like you know stage acting one and in it, the second week. The thing about Brad Pitt is. The thing about Brad Pitt is that he, I, I was going to say he just can't act, but I don't think that's true. I mean, he can act, but like certain actors, he's got, I mean, there is such a thing as a range, right? Mm-hmm. If you're an actor, it's just like being a singer. If you're a singer, you've got a range or an octave range. You can go from this note to this note. If you're an actor, you can go from this kind of, uh, you know, this this extreme to this extreme. 
But Brad Pitt's but, extremes are far narrower, I, mean, I think. Kind of sound like Andy Griffith in this film <laughs> did not go over well. No, I mean it was it was so distracting. And you're right when you said that. I mean, I give the movie a thumbs up. I guess it was great. But a surprise it's ending, too. That doesn't sound very enthusiastic. Well, I wish the, the God, it was good. long, though. It was just so freaking it, it's, long. It's yeah. his performance that makes it seem long, I think. The rest of the characters were spot on. I would say that when, I would say that when, uh, uh, when Brad Pitt's on screen, it, it just time stops. <laughs> Every time Brad Pitt is on screen, is a, it, I mean, it's you're like, just... I'm picking and I'm grinning. <laughs> I mean, it really is one one step removed from that, right? Where you expect Otis the town drunk to be showing up. It's like, um, what is this character doing in this movie? And do you and do you suppose it's, it's that's supposed a, to be a serious topic? And is Barney, give me back that bullet? Ain't B leave me a pie here? I mean, you you've got as you just said, you've got all of this sort of like really hardcore. Nazi hunting drama happening, and then you know, the, you know the, the World War Two, and it's you know the, the uh, you know a global conflagration, and you've got Nazis who are the purest embodiment of evil, and that guy, what do, what do, what do they call him? They call him it's some the, the, the Jew, Jew hunter, hunter, you know, who is a really terrifying villain. Yeah, he really yeah. is. Whoever it is, that guy, and I don't know that actor, but the guy that plays, and you know, the guy that plays that character. I mean, I know you say he's a Nazi, so therefore it's you know. You know, of course, he's a villain, but I mean, this guy really sells it. I mean, he's He's terrifying. So you've got this guy who is called the Jew Hunter and who is an utterly terrifying bad guy. And then, as Tim said, it's juxtaposed with like this, oh, shucks, fiddle dee dee thing that Brad Pitt is doing. going to Inspiration Point after this. I'm just a girl who can't say no. I got to stop by and see Floyd and get a trim. Um,. And then, and then it did seem like the movie just went on and on and on, and it had multiple endings to it, the way yeah. that a lot of mm. the Tarantino films yeah. um, do. But uh, and there was there was a lot of that sort of dialogue that felt ladled in, as though Tarantino couldn't wait to share with you all the all the cool stuff he knows. Yeah, um, Christy, was that your take as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing about Tarantino and others have been making this point, and I wholeheartedly agree, which is that you know when most people make a movie they seem to want to connect it to uh, at least to some degree to sort of recognizable human emotion whereas tarantino's most significant human emotion i think is his love of movies so his movies always wind up being about movies right so this i mean i don't really think this is a world war ii movie i think it's a movie about movies and not just world war ii movies i mean that whole opening sequence mm-hmm. is lifted from once upon a time in the west right you know and he throws in you know strange things from out of time like the david bowie theme song to paul schrader's remake remake of cat people shows up and i thought i wasn't expecting that that was odd um and yeah i mean and so it's just sequence after sequence of tarantino invoking movies that he's seen and that he loved whether it's you know the the searchers or it had a lot of spaghetti western part of it seemed like cinema paradiso if you ever seen that italian movie and then a lot of that spaghetti western stuff too those sergio leone films the uh, you know fistful of dollars and you know a few dollars more there's a lot of that feeling going on and then the obvious dirty dozen yeah uh, stuff as well yeah and i mean he he obviously is amusing himself tremendously and i think he probably encouraged brad pitt to give that you know performance where we're we're killing nazis I it, I think that also that my final thought on Inglorious Bastards is that it seems like you were watching one movie. I think Sean Levy made this point actually, and then you get to the final third of the film and it becomes a different movie altogether. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you you kind of say to yourself, okay, what what seems to where am I? What what seems to be happening now? 
So in yeah, it kind of enters <clears throat> a parallel world. I think it was his strongest opening ever, though. Yeah. I think it was the biggest yeah. opening ever for a Tarantino film. I think the movie probably could have ended with that sequence and, and would have maybe yeah. in some ways been more satisfying. But it's entertaining. I mean, I, I didn't actually find it boring, even though it, it, it does go on. Uh, so I'll tell you what, we'll do this. We'll come back. We'll talk to Evan Handler. We'll talk about the uh, rest of the weekend uh, box office and so forth. We're here with Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. And at this juncture, if you are a caller 10 at 503 Two two eight four one zero one five zero three two two eight four one zero one. You're going to get yourself a pass for two to see that film, Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards, starring Brad Pitt at any Regal Cinema in the Portland area. You'll also win yourself a copy of the soundtrack on CD. It's the Rick Emerson Show live from Portland. Stay there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock One Hundred One KUFO. One Hundred One KUFO KUFO Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. In just a few moments, we'll be rejoined by Christy Turnquist, pop culture writer for The Oregonian. We'll go to the news desk with Tim Riley coming up at 8 o'clock. CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us. And we'll have our uh, recap of last night's episode of True Blood, which really just set a... Just set a, uh, just a brand new benchmark for bad. Wow, I'm watching it right now. It's, it is ridiculous. It's mind-bendingly <laughs> awful. It's terrible, and I can't stop. All right, and... Uh, we will. Uh, there's really no graceful way to say this, except to say that, like, as far away from awful as you can possibly get, is a show called Californication, uh, which you, uh, as Kurt Loder used to say, really ought to try to catch. It is. Uh, it is quite something. We want to welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. You've seen him on Lost, Twenty Four, Six Feet Under, Sex in the City, and he currently plays Charlie Runkle, who is uh, Hank Moody's friend and agent on Californication. So, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Mr. Evan Handler. Hello, sir. How are you today? As far away from awful as you can get. That, that's uh, that's uh, uh, sort of praise from below. If you'd like to put that on your resume, you can. That's uh, I don't need a royalty or anything. You can use that, my friend. Been here for about a decade already. <laughs> you, uh, you have been, well, you've done a million things, first of all. I mean, uh, I said uh, Evan Handler, and there was three different people in the room who had three different reactions. Uh, my producer, Sarah, immediately went to the fact that you were on Lost and Sex in the City, and there was somebody else who mentioned that you were on um, The West Wing, and you've been on Studio 60 in the Sunset Strip, which was another Aaron Sorkin show, and I'm a huge Californication fan. Um, where, where did it? All across New York City, said that bastard. <laughs> they, they all, they cursed your, they all, they all, uh, they all uh, um, it cursed your name for starting so young and getting and really and just getting every role in everything uh, anywhere. So do you, what, do you have a, a work ethic that just doesn't, uh, you know, that, that just won't let you uh, sleep or take time off? You know, my my acting manifesto that I'll publish one day will be called "Say It Like You Mean It." That's, that's about it. Say it like you mean it. And is, is it something that one role has led to another where you have been able to sort of string one of those shows uh, to your next part? Because you, know, you hear about actors always kind of looking for work and always sort of struggling, but it seems like you're hitting one huge project after another. Well, you know, maybe some of the lesser ones have slid under the radar, thankfully. Um, you know, I started many, many, many years ago, 30 years ago in New York, working on stage and doing Broadway plays. Um, but obviously, uh, uh, although I had done It's Like You Know and some other sort of high-profile stuff, Sex in the City uh, was watched by many, many, many people. So um, you, as I travel the world these days, that tends to be what people recognize me from. Californication, which is in the second season, comes out on DVD tomorrow. Californication is... It is such a, a multi-layered and textured show. There are so many different tones that go on there. And one of the biggest compliments I can give that program is that the moments 
of seriousness or the moments where it becomes poignant or where it becomes, uh, you know, it becomes very bittersweet. Th- those are never cheap. They're always earned. The the writing and the directing are such that you always get to those moments very honestly. Is that kind of subtlety something that you were able to tell about the show from the minute you saw the script? Or is that something that kind of came to the fore later? Oh, uh, most of these things are, are a gamble. You know, you go by people's track records and seeing one script. Um, but uh, Tom Kapanos, our fearless leader and the writer of most of the scripts and the executive producer, has been just incredible. Um, uh, week after week, he comes out with these scripts that are, uh, you know, really hysterically funny, goofy sex comedy, uh, sometimes over-the-top, outlandish, and yet rooted in, with real heart and, and heart of people who are trying to keep their essential relationships together. And David Duchovny's character trying to be a good dad to his daughter, and it's a real balance of, of uh, laugh out loud, roll on the floor, laughing, sexual absurdity, and, and uh, you, you know, real deep heart, um, family heartstring stuff. Are there, do you ever look at that at, at those scripts when they come across your desk and you'll see an episode coming up? There was this uh, moment in the, uh, in the second season where there is, you, are, you are being forced to watch a montage of security camera uh, footage of yourself engaged in, you are engaged in self-pleasure, and you are having to watch a montage of yourself doing this at your desk at work over many, many nights. Do you ever just see something like that in a script and, and, and just cringe even a little bit at this point, or have you done so much in so many roles that it's just, you don't even, it doesn't even phase you? I, 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 did, I did cringe when I saw it, but not nearly as much as the entire crew cringed having to watch me film it. Which actually leads to another question. Just on California, uh, Californication, you have Pamela Adlin, who plays uh, your wife. She plays your wife, Marcy, and people know her as the voice of uh, Bobby Hill on King of the Hill, which makes me feel all kinds of weird and conflicted. But she is so unbelievably funny sometimes and so hysterical. Is it ever a problem for you guys trying to keep it uh, together and not lose your composure when you're filming scenes together? Because you guys have a real a real chemistry on that show. Uh, yeah, that stuff happens. I mean, we have a great time. Um, uh, season two, you know, yeah, Charlie loses his job due to excessive self-pleasure in the workplace um, uh, and, and then uh, becomes the producer of a porn film. Uh, when when one of the actors can't perform himself, he's forced to step in and, and, and be in the film. Um uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a scene where Charlie's having sex with the porn star in his living room with his wife watching. Uh, but, um, you know, we, we crack up, we have a great time, but it's also a lot of this stuff is happening at 2 and 3 in the morning and you just want to go home. So uh, it's a balance between the, the hysterical and the mundane, oddly enough. We're talking to Evan Handler from Californication. You've also been on uh, Lost and Sex in the City. And uh, my uh, producer, Sarah, would uh, never forgive me if I did not ask this. Are we going to be seeing you in the upcoming Sex in the City uh, sequel? I know they're making the second movie right now. Yeah, they're starting in about a week, I think, and then I'll be heading to New York about two weeks after that. Excellent. What can we expect from uh, Season 3 of Californication, my friend? Um, season 3 of Californication is, is hilarious, and then more and more extreme with the same Kathleen Turner and Peter Gallagher are both on the show. Um, uh, Charlie, who, who uh, loses his job largely because of his uh, getting involved with an underling at his ad age, at his uh, talent agency, um, goes to work for uh, another agency where Kathleen Turner uh, becomes his boss and uh, relentlessly sexually harasses him. Awesome. Excellent. Evan Handler from Californication, Sex in the City, Lost, many other things. Best of continued success in all things, my friend. Thank you for spending some time with us.
Thanks so much, guys. There you go. That is uh, Evan Handler's Californication DVD. Uh, the DVD release of season two is tomorrow. So Californication, the entire second season, out tomorrow on DVD. There you go. All right. How it is, cool was that? That was hairy. It was very cool. And it's so weird, uh, weird because I just finished season two of that this weekend, just uh, I think on Saturday. Uh, I had gotten them all stacked up, and I finally was able to plow through them all. And that's, I like how, what a diverse like range of characters he can play. Because in Lost, he's... Super creepy, and um, you know, in California, it sounds like he's pervy, and then yeah, and Sex in the City, he's just like the sweetest, nicest guy ever. And on the West Wing, he was not a villain, but he was a very like he was a very sort of he was a very realistic, clear-eyed kind of political operative, and he was very hard as nails, and very just uh, you know had no illusions about anything. Was a very matter of fact kind of whatever it takes to win kind of a guy. Yeah, and then you watch Californication, where I mean. It, I, I I'm just, I really am glad I started watching this show. That's a thing that uh, uh, that uh, Panic had talked about, and then Greg Nibbler was like, "He's like, oh, you got to watch Californication. I can't believe you don't watch it." And I really am glad that I started. I had no idea really what that show was going to be like. I think if you'd asked me to describe it, I think I would have had a totally different idea of of what it was. But it's it is just it's just the it's just the most uh, astounding show sometimes. But there are moments of of, of absurdity. That are so unbelievable. Again, where you're you're watching this sequence where he is, they're showing a montage of security camera uh, tapes where he is sitting behind the desk, kind of getting it done uh, for himself while watching while watching uh, the, the online photographs of his secretary. And you're thinking to yourself, like, dear God, like, what am I? Californication's another one of the shows like True Blood. Where you're, you got to be real careful where you watch it because if you're watching it on your laptop or something, <laughs> people are going to think you're watching porn. Because there's just all this like full-on humping that is constantly happening, happening throughout the whole thing. But the, my final thing that I'll say about this, and then we'll uh, uh, recap uh, the rest of the box office with, uh, office with Christy Trinquist, is as great as all the comedy is, the relationship between David Duchovny's character and his wife is really one of the most, I kept using that word layer, but it's one of the most multifaceted, subtle, textured relationships between a man and a wife uh, that I've ever seen on television. I mean, it's, it's a husband and wife, and they're actually not even married. I guess they're sort of long-term partners or whatever. But it's one of the most textured romantic relationships I've ever seen. It's just uh, it's just staggering how good it is. Christy Turnquist. Uh, so we had Nazis. We had aliens. What uh, what rounded up the rest of the uh, weekend box office? Oh, sorry. Man. There we go. There we go. All right. Am I on there? Okay. Sorry, that was all me. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. Sorry. You know, actually, I was just sort of thinking, how come somebody doesn't make, you know, the Aliens and Nazis movie right now? Green light it, get it going. There's, well, there's, there's box the office Nazis. dollars. I was actually just going to say, somebody uh, emailed me about that new Woody Harrelson thing, that Zombieland movie you know, coming up. I, yeah, I saw the trailer for that before um, uh, before Inglorious Bastards. There are zombie Nazis, so I was thinking inevitably there will be zombies versus Nazis uh, versus Predator versus Ash <laughs> versus Batman. That'll be it. That'll be good. Anyway, um, meanwhile, back at the box office, yeah, Glorious Bastards had a really, really solid opening, especially impressive considering that it is, you know, more than two hours long. It's about two and a half hours long. It had uh, Tarantino's biggest opening ever and the highest first weekend gross for a movie in these sort of dog days of August. It made $37.6 million. And number two was District 9, which made $18.9 million. And I got to say, I finally caught up with that last week. And what a movie. It's, I mean, I was just yeah. knocked out. It's amazing. I mean, not only does it just make you think and also admire the, the sheer ingenuity of the filmmaking, but I got so choked up, I cried for like a half an hour at the end of that really? movie, which I was not expecting. I just found it very uh, moving. Were you yeah. crying for aliens or human beings? 
Oh, all of the above. Well, because it's because it does have a you know, sort of a bleak. It has a bleak finale. Let's put it that way. It's not a bad ending as such, but it does yeah. have a little bit of. Uh, it's bittersweet. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just totally not expecting to have that reaction. I, I just, I was knocked out. And then, of course, we plunge down into the number three for GI Joe: Rise of the Cobra, which made twelve point five totally undeserved million dollars. <laughs> And then number four was The Time Traveler's Wife, which made $10 million. And that's, you know, again, they're going for the counter-programming, trying to get female viewers right. in there. But I think if female viewers want to see something that makes them feel something, they should go see District 9. As opposed to, let's say, Julie and Julia, or whatever that uh, Actually, I like that. that. Film is. There were tons of people lined up to see that. <laughs> really? Yes. But was it people who couldn't get into something else, do you suppose? Was it a lot of like, ah, Time Traveler's Wife is all sold out. Let's, uh, what's this Meryl Streep thing? No, the parking lot was practically empty. It was the first show at 12... 10 yesterday. <laughs> I heard that it was sort of that it was two films mashed together into one. That it, it was is. like a Gossip Girl episode and also the life, you know, the life of Julia Child. It was Child. like a Gossip Girl too old to be a Gossip Girl. Yeah. I mean, I find Meryl Streep kind of strangely sexy, but other than that, that movie held, uh, has She's no She's terrific at whatever she does. Yeah. I, I don't know how she it. does it. She's a spectacular actress. It really makes you hungry if you see this movie. You're going to want to go well, out I wouldn't and eat. eat any of that stuff. <laughs> Christy Turnquist, uh, what is uh, coming up in the Oregonian? Well, as a matter of fact, I'm working on something uh, about a Portland connection to Mad Men, specifically having to do with Peggy Olsen, and that's all I'm going to say. Is that the girl who plays the fiddle in today's issue, or is that something no. different? No. Oh, that that's not. something altogether unrelated. All right. Excellent. Christy Turnquist, reader in the Oregonian, online at Oregon live.com straight ahead news from tim riley ladies and gentlemen coming up at eight o'clock lisa desjardins from cnn radio and at 8 20 sarah dylan and i will recap last night's true blood stand the rick emerson show continues next live from beautiful downtown portland oregon this is the rick emerson show on rock 101 kufo the Rick Emerson Show returns. Well, it must be time for my nitroglycerin. My bunions hurt. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Hey, what's going on? It's Funk for KUFO, and we're out at Safeway at the corner of Murray and Cornell in Beaverton. Stuff in the bus. We're collecting new classroom supplies throughout Portland to benefit our school children that need them in Portland, along with Nally Pickles. Fox 12 is here. We want to see you out here. The corner of in Beaverton at the Safeway on the corner of Murray and Cornell with KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up at 8 o'clock, we'll talk to senior radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. And uh, at 8.20, Sarah Dillon and I will recap last night's episode of True Blood. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland. It is 7.20 now. It's going to be in the low 80s today. Well, Robert Hassman, the ex-boyfriend of Jasmine Fiore, the dead model, went on the Today Show moments ago and said he was happy that Ryan Jenkins killed himself, which he did in some sleazy hotel in British Columbia. Meanwhile, Jasmine's mother also spoke on the Today program at the same time. Robert Hasman, good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. Very tough times, and especially for you, Lisa. I'm wondering uh, your reaction to the news of this apparent suicide. This is the mother of the girl. Well, it's a mixed reaction. Um, I, it brings some closure to um, what's been going on. I mean, we don't have to worry about looking for him anymore or being worried that he's a threat to anyone, any other women or men. Um, um, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, 
we still have a long process of closure. Mm, Ryan. So the. Mm. That was weird. I, that was it was weird. an odd. It was an odd sort of. Um, I don't know, it was an odd sort of tone there, too, because they all seem to want to not come out and say, well, we're glad that he's dangling from, uh, you know, from a rod in the closet, which, although I guess, I guess the, uh, the ex-boyfriend said that. They showed a picture of the rod that. in the closet. I was just looking at so it. So this is where in Canada that they found him. This is uh, British uh, Columbia, Hope, British Columbia. All right. And is that where he's from, or did it look like he just sort of picked no, it randomly on a map? he's from Alberta. All right. He's from Alberta. So I wonder if, they, who, if they're, have they made any ground on figuring out who this other woman is. Uh, that was accompanying him along. That, woman is that they mystery. say another pretty blonde lady paid cash for a three-night stay, and then she disappeared. And then she just vanished, which is strange. Mm-hmm. So I think they they must have been monitoring. I think they said they were actually monitoring his phone calls, and they were trying right. to figure out who he was speaking with. So this must be somebody, I mean, unless they figured out who it is and they had announced it, it must be somebody that he didn't talk with on the phone or somebody else, you know, some other woman that he, you know, that he managed to pick up or something. So oh, apparently... His car, when he checked into this hotel, pulled up next to a dumpster rather than a parking spot. He waited in the car till the pretty lady checked him in. She left 20 minutes after that and hasn't been seen since. Yeah. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, a more cheerful news. It was a very special elephant birthday at the Portland Zoo. A young elephant named Sumadra was honored with two birthday cakes and took a swim. Sumadra, the Asian elephant, turned one. Zoo patrons were also welcome at the party. Then Portland police are trying to figure out who shot up a car in a house in Southeast. Gunfire killed a man inside the home at 57th Avenue in Flavel over the weekend. A woman inside heard the noise. Then she heard her roommate gurgling and couldn't get uh, into his room. Uh, it isn't gang-related. They're trying to find out the killing is intentional. So this is, is not... Any happy news today? In happier news, Wait. whales have been spotted up the... Yes? Wait, no, no, no. Let's back up for a second. Now let's dwell on the bad for just a moment. Well, I'm not... I'm trying to give you a combination of both. Wait, but is this that, like, he wasn't... That somebody wasn't shooting at him? Was this they the... They shot through the... Through they the, shot uh, the through his bedroom. This is the business where you're just sitting there minding your own business and the, the bullet just comes through the wall? Yes, mm-hmm. that, that's what happened. Because that's, uh, that's the kind of story that I find uniquely unnerving, mm-hmm. uh, where you're just sitting there minding your own business and then God just presses the smite button somewhere and the, uh, you know, and the ammunition just starts raining in the walls of your house. Uh-huh. Jesus, God Almighty. All right, I'm sorry, Tim. What, what about whales? Whales have been spotted off the Oregon coast. Come on, come all and see the whales. Uh, visitors are flocking to seaside. Uh, they're in for a treat since whales are being spotted off the coast and near the area's promenade. Reports say the warmer waters are part of the reason that sharks and whales are close by. Well, that's not a really good thing. Didn't we, we had like several shark attacks while we were in New York. I like how they're just going to slip in sharks. I know. They didn't, they didn't put it at the whales. beginning of the story. Sharks didn't, and whales. Then we managed to miss a whole bunch of people being, either, they weren't bitten, I guess, but were there, were there people that were sighting sharks or were there actual shark attacks while we were gone, Tim? No, there weren't any attacks. There weren't any, but they were but they were people sightings. Seen them, they were yeah. sort of they were seeing that sharks were lurking around. Uh-huh. And you're right that they sort of folded that into the story almost like it was a bit of an afterthought there. Like I might not want to know that there was some giant man-eating thing with razor sharp teeth lurking off. And then they put the whales there at the beginning, which is sort of an inducement to go hang out there, right? Right. Sort of a no no no, come frolic in the water where there's whales and sharks and, and sharks. also things. <laughs> All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, today's the last day for cash for clunkers, so get out there. The program ends at 5 o'clock this afternoon. So if you listen to this uh, station, you hear uh, some car dealers who will welcome your business. And please tell them you heard about them on the Rick Emerson program. Let's do uh, one more here, and then we'll get uh, caught up. The unemployment rate in Oregon reached 11.9% in July. We are now the fourth worst in the country. We used to be second. 
So uh, things are stepping up just a little bit. So wait, now who who took our place? Do you suppose? Let's see. I mean, that's a zero sum game. It seems like there's you know if we uh, if we have improved, there's someone else, some other poor uh, group of souls. We are behind Michigan and Rhode Island. Rhode Island and Nevada. You wouldn't really think of, and Nevada surprises me too, because you think of because there's so much tourism there that that would trickle down. Probably not as much. I guess that's probably true. I don't even know what goes on in Rhode Island. I don't either. Rhode Island. In Rhode Island, like when I picture Rhode Island, for some reason I just picture chickens. Why I is that? Anne of Green Gables. Is that does that take place? Yes. In Ro- no, it's in Canada. But no, I, no, that that is correct. No, I think it takes place in Canada. No, it was Prince Edward Island. That's where Anne of Green Gables was. Oh, I'm you know I'm thinking of Grey Gables. By the way, this Never is mind. how you uh, this is how you reach the young male demographic. Is lots of really? Anne of Green Gables talk. <laughs> you take it back, Gilbert Blythe. Don't call me carrots. There you go. You hear young men tuning in? That's what they do. Right there. That's what I hear them talking about at the heavy metal concert yesterday. That's when Sarah hits me with a slate. All right, straight ahead, we have more from Tim Riley coming up at 8 o'clock. We will talk a little bit more about the Cash for Clunkers program, which uh, wraps up today at 8.20. We'll uh, recap last night's episode of True Blood as well. It's a Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Why am I an alcoholic? I haven't an epping clue. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins at 8.20. Uh, Sarah Dillon and I will uh, recap last night's episode of True Blood, which you were asking me earlier if there's a, a specific moment that is uh, a jump the shark you know, scene, if there's one particular thing, one particular element of the episode that's bad. Mm-hmm. And it's really just the whole thing. It's just it's just forty nine minutes of awful. I mean, <laughs> but even, I still love it. I can't I can't help but love it. I don't know. There were moments last night where I thought to myself, "Well, that's it. That's uh, this is a show I don't ever need to watch again." There were some scenes, and we'll talk more about it. But there were some scenes last night that were so bad that for the first time in a long time, I actually questioned why I was investing my time watching well, it. The black eyes used to be really scary because you'd only see them every once in a while. Now, in a, an that's ent- black eyes, by the way. <laughs> Sarah's talking about there. She's the black eyes. Really? Have you been scared of black eyes for a long time? <laughs> um, but Have you after, had a bad experience with black eyes? After having the whole episode saturated with black eyes, though, it's like it's not as scary anymore. So you're saying there's, you're saying that for you, Sarah Dillon, there's too many black eyes in the episode for you to, uh, for you to be able to watch it. Yes. Is there a specific there's number that you want it limited to? <laughs> no, there will never be enough black eyes in a twin. <laughs> True Blood episode. Why do you keep making me say that? I'm stopping. At the news desk, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland. 743 now. It's going to be in the low 80s today. The manhunt for reality TV contestant turned murderer Ryan Jenkins is over. Canadian authorities say they found him dead in a sleazy hotel room in British Columbia. He hung himself from a 
It looks like a ROM that you would hang clothes on, but he had to put some effort into it because it's only like halfway up the door. Well, so I mean, meant to do it. you know, if you're going to do something, Tim, do it, uh, you know, do it all the way. Don't, uh, you know, you don't, don't do a half-assed job at it. Meanwhile, the mother of the dead model girl describes him as a con man. He targeted women, I believe. He wanted to be something that he wasn't, and I think he wanted to be and have what Jasmine had. She was for real. She earned what she had, and, you know, he, he was a I, I think there was a lot of fake things on her. I and not everything on her was real. I was saying. I, I think you'd be really stretching it to find any part of her. Well, never mind. I was. I don't that, mean to speak evil of the dead, but then she looked a little bit like a brat doll or something. Yes. But she had that strange sort of like I was put together by the Tokishi Studios, uh, you know, look. Well, I mean, that's just kind of sad that she had to be identified by her breast implants. I, I mean, that's depressing. Well, I mean, well, when you have nothing else, it's. True to go by. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, when everything else is just, you know, collagen and it's, you know, and it's folded up all wrong in a suitcase, it just seems like traditional identification is going to be difficult. By the way, speaking of people who died sad and alone, Tim mentioned this earlier, but oh, I, I didn't really. I have that story here. Really? Did yeah. you have this? Do you have the, uh, the the obituary that you were discussing earlier? I, I mean, do. it's not even really worth a snuff watch. It's just, I hate to say this, but it's more of a footnote than anything else, Tim. A former member of the musical group Bread has died. Uh, the Yakima Herald Republic. Says multi-instrumentalist Larry Nechtel passed away at Yakima Valley Medical Hospital. He was 69. The How cause sad. of death not revealed. Dying in Yakima. Mm-hmm. He began his career in the late 1950s as a member of Dwayne Eddy's band. He was also the keyboardist in the Wrecking Crew, which helped Phil Spector create his famed Wall of Sound. Nechtel uh, played on sessions with numerous artists, including the Beach Boys, the Moms and the Papas, and the Doors. And, of course, he was in Bread. You'll hear many of their songs if you're shopping at uh, Fred Meyer. So I'm unclear about whether he was an actual... Foods. I don't know if he was a member of Bread it or says if he a was... a member of Bread. Okay, so he wasn't like a... To make a he was not I'm David a... Gates. He was the most famous of the Breaders. I wasn't... I see, and there's no way to make like a baby I'm a want you... They're going to say like a baby I'm a No, dead. there's a... <laughs> baby I'm a dead. I didn't even feel the meter correctly. Uh, I was just going to make the observation. I didn't know if he was an actual member of Brett, or if he was like a studio, yes. you know, musician or something. He also played a, a bass, guitar, and keyboards, and harmonica. He also played with Glenn Campbell, by the way. That's uh, one of those things that I know for no readily apparent reason. And he was 70 years of age. You don't really think of the guys in Bread as being 70 because, uh, you know, they've always got that smooth lover man vibe going on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's too bad, but maybe he wanted to be there. Nick. Well, for all the victims who were praying for Bernie Madoff to get cancer, your prayers have been answered. He has cancer. This and the worst kind, patriotic... Uh, patriotic, patriotic, patriotic cancer. Patriotic cancer. <laughs> I have cancer of the pride. <laughs> yes, stick a flag in that. Yes, it's pancreatic cancer. He's taking 20 pills a day. There's no comment on when he might last, but he's supposed to last at least 150 years because that's a sentence. Pancreatic cancer, who do we... Uh, oh, that's the Swayze disease. Yeah. Hey, look, I hate to be morbid. But, uh, he's still alive. Please don't take this the wrong way. I'm not. Sure. I'm, well, see, that's we might my thing. take it the wrong way. I'm not, wishing for, I'm not wishing for Patrick Swayze's death when I say, shouldn't he be dead by now? Meaning, didn't they tell us like last year, two years ago, that he only had three months to live? Is that what his wife tells him every day when he wakes up? No, I, you ought to be dead. Uh, the, the Forget it, honey. I'd like breakfast. They were talking about how, and look, I'm oh, glad he has that... a fuller face and head of hair, and it's showing improvement. Now, is he, that he a press release better. or is that from an actual Patrick photo? Patrick Swayze's fuller face and head of hair show improvements in his battle against cancer. Said a publicist. He like he's healed up. Is that a said a spokesperson for the actor? Because that's how you know it's a lie. You can always just take whatever it is, you know it says in a PR release. If there's any sort of a you know any sort of a release being put up by his agent, 
you can just reverse that and assume that that is in fact the case. Yeah, I think it looks like that might be the case. Or it looks like someone just going off of a. Are there from photos him. of yeah, said April, fuller the, face? The actor anointed as people's sexiest man in 1991 was gaunt and fragile. Now his face is fuller. But I mean, is there a picture of the face? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he looks better. He looks pretty bad, but. Uh, no, I, I don't I mean, think... than, Well, he's getting up there in age. I'm just, I guess my thing is, I'm glad that he's one of those you folks can't that is to apparently. You did in Dirty Dancing. Yeah, he's outlasting what they say because they always say, well, I was only given three months and look at me now. And then he's like speaking at some business seminar talking about how it's all about a positive mental outlook. But it does seem like he, uh, like that ought to have claimed him by now if those diagnoses were correct. So my only point is that Bernie Madoff may uh, he may plague us for many, many, many years. Here's uh, Tim Riley. A friendly neighbor gives a woman a kidney. This comes to us from Missouri. Two Kansas City women who lived next door to each other for 30 years. Uh, Claudine Jackson and Joanne Waltz really got to know each other well. You see, Waltz donated her kidney to Jackson. That's what friends are for. Yes, the two are always friendly. They've grown much closer over the three years as Waltz helped with car rides to daily dialysis treatment, doctor's appointments, and the grocery store. The kind act ended two years of waiting for a national kidney waiting list, well, to come up with a kidney. So uh, it's always good to be in good with neighbors in case you're missing a kidney. So I should start ingratiating myself to somebody. That's a total Larry David thing to do. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, you know, like, it, can't you see that being a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where, he's, where he thinks that he's developing some sort of a cancer and so he finds somebody who's got really healthy kidneys right. and just begins, you know, palling up to them? <laughs> just, you know, because on the off chance. That's a thing I should do right now. I should start finding... Uh, I should find someone in your neighborhood. Well, no, not in my neighborhood. People in my neighborhood don't have healthy organs of any kind. I was just—I should find somebody to whom I could go, you know, for each organ. In other words, I should find somebody, uh, you know, whose kidneys uh, you know are really good shape, and then I can, uh, you know, I can I can really pour on the charm. So should I need them someday, I can try to find somebody who would theoretically be able to donate, you know, whatever it is that I, uh, whatever it is that I, uh, I might, uh, I might need. Somebody says, uh, did you guys talk about the fact that the model had to be identified by her implants? Yes, we did, but that's, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think that there'd be anything it's there. Like the barcode or the serial number for her implants were I bet there's them. a barcode. Or maybe something to identify, I guess on contact lenses they have that too, even though you can't see it now because it's microscopic. But I guess if you get something put into your body... Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it if it's a steel plate or something, I guess, yeah, so they don't know. that. Well, know. at the register on the way out of the, the plastics, they just scanned her. Hey, speaking of uh, scanning things, so have you guys gone to a Safeway recently since they started putting in the U-Scan things? No. Mm-mm. So they, you know, because they have that at Fred Meyer where, they, you know, you I like, like that. See, so do I, I typically. I love not having to talk to people. Okay, but here's the thing. At Safeway, it doesn't say the name of your purchase allowed, but it does say the dollar figure allowed as you're scanning things, which makes me uneasy for some reason. Hmm. I don't really know why. I mean, it doesn't say, you know, you know, like turkey baster, baby oil, but it says, like, as you're scanning things, it says $6.75, which I, I, for some reason I find, I don't know, it creeps me out for reasons that the, I can't really figure out. The one that Fred Meyer says, thank you, valued customer. <laughs> Do you, I always get this. I always get two items into the scan, and then it says, see clerk for assistance, because I've done something wrong. There's, there's some mistake I've made, and I'm not able to use it properly. And it's always when you're buying something that you don't want always, to say. Always, 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 always. You know, fail. It's like something to remove, uh, you know, like a ear, uh, uh, you know, fungus or whatever. I'll be, uh, you know, or it's like as I'm buying like, extra strength dandruff shampoo, and it's, I'm sorry, you'll need to go take this up to the uh, clerk and wave it in front of her face. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, an Alaska boy has died after he was dragged several hundred feet by his own cow at the country fair. The boy's father said the uh, the son was dragged by the cow in the fairgrounds. The boy put his uh, oh put around his waist the rope attached to the cow's harness. Well, that was foolish. And something spooked the cow. You don't really think of cows as I mean, is that like a real slow drag or? 
Cows can run. We've talked about this before. They can get pretty fast. That's wild cows, though. Wild cows? These weren't wild cows. Where do you find a wild cow? Well, any animal when spooked, I'm sure, can run nature? Is that true? Oh, yeah. So cows can... Wait a minute. So cows... I don't think we've discussed this, though. You never find, like, a cow in a jungle. So, like... uh, Well, I don't know. Would you? I, I know we've so. had this discussion before, but I don't remember let's the outcome of this. Let's go to shoot cows. Nobody's ever bought back a cow <laughs> that I know of. Strapped to the hood of their car. Look at this. I Wait a minute. So cows, modern actual domestic cows can run? I believe so. Not very quickly. Yeah, see, but that's what I would think, I mean, too. If, but if it's like a, you know, 700-pound animal dragging a little boy, that's going to cause some... Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is it's like a real slow speed drag. Wouldn't you figure they could just walk alongside so. and cut the I've rope? I've never seen a cow run. When is the last? See, I that's that's exactly what I was going to say. Is that I've seen every animal run except for cows. I mean, you it's picture like, a horse, you can see a horse running. It's like well, it's going to take some effort to outrun this cow. I've never heard that said anywhere. It doesn't. Th- well, maybe I'm in the wrong places. Hold on. So Greg is weighing in on this. Greg says that cows can, in fact, run. What is it? Did you grow up on a farm or something? Well, of course, this isn't working. No. Wait a minute. What do you mean? You mean his microphone isn't working? Isn't that a shocker? That's astounding. Shock. Uh, can you hear me now? I can't oh. believe that. All right. So you grew up. Why did you grow up by cows? All right. I grew up way out in the middle of nowhere in the Willamette Valley. And I grew up by cows. And cows can, I will testify, run very fast. Now, is it only, do they do it very often? In other words, is it a thing they're likely to do? Yeah, it's, it's pretty likely. If they get spooked at all or say you're eight and you throw a rock at them, they will run very fast. <laughs> Theoretically speaking. Why don't they have cow speaking? races? <laughs> that I don't know. Can I don't you power races for charity? I don't children. think you can control them very well. Can you prompt them to run? In other words, are they like horses where if you say, like, you know, horses are very much the companion of man, so you can say, come on, let's go crest that hill, and the horse runs alongside you like the black stallion. Can you sort of goad a, a cow into running along with you as your as your pal? I, I don't think you can do it. Yeah, I don't know about being pals with the cows, but you can definitely make them run. It's very easy to a do A cow that. has no feelings. Okay. On that like note. Like a human. We're going, to, uh, we're going to talk to a senior radio correspondent, uh, Lisa Desjardins, at the top of the hour about the uh, finale of the Cash for Clunkers program. And then at 820, Sarah and I will be recapping uh, last night's episode of True Blood. It is the Rick Emerson Show. More from Tim Riley on the way as well. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's, it's uh, the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's Monday morning. Stay there. Back after this. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. And we're out on the corner of Murray and Cornell at the Safeway in Beaverton for Stop the Bus. We're picking up some uh, new classroom supplies to benefit our local school kids that need them. Come out and say hi to the Nally Pickle guy. He's out here. Take pictures with him and drop off some of your school supplies with KUFO. Uh, One more time, it's at Beaverton at the Safeway on the corner of Murray and Cornell. We'll be here all day with KUFO. KUFO! Pop, pop, pop! Portland. It's Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Coming up at uh, 820, we will recap last night's uh, episode of True Blood. And Tim Riley has the following stories on which he is working on this Monday morning. Mysterious lady. Who is the beautiful woman who absconded from that sleazy motel in British Columbia? Who gave the desk clerk money so that murderer can stay there three nights? Well, she's disappeared, and the guy hung himself. Yes, that's the guy who murdered the beautiful blonde model from California. A Motel 6 is robbed in southeast overnight. And 
The latest in stimulus, cash for, uh, cash for clunkers goes away today, but then cash for old refrigerators begins. Wait, really? Time to spoil, yes. Wait, hold on. Let's find out more about this, shall we? Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning, guys. What is this about cash for refrigerators? I Nobody told me about this. I was caught off guard. Yeah, it's a good change-up, so I might have to throw it back to Tim, but I'm pretty sure he's talking about, um, as part of the stimulus bill, uh, it offers discounts to people who are willing to get new, more kind of energy-saving appliances with the Energy Star label uh, that meet certain requirements, you you will get, I believe, and Tim, you got to help me with this, I believe it's that you get a tax credit for buying. Now, I don't know that you have to turn in your old refrigerator, but if you get a new one, you get increased credits through the stimulus bill. I don't think we have a date on when that starts yet. They're still working on those regulations. Tim, did I get that right? Pretty much. Uh, beginning late this fall, it says this program authorizes rebates of 50 to $200 for purchases of high-efficiency household appliances. Wait a minute, are we talking a rebate, or is it just actually a discount? Oh, let's go with Tim. Let's you lose me at rebates. These rebates. I don't know. Will help families make the transition to more efficient appliances, says the Energy Secretary, Stephen Chu. Now, but see, that's a lie, because no one ever... The rebates are a thing on which nobody nobody ever follows through on you those. You must Steve, demand it's it. It's a government rebate to the seller, though. I think it's like cash for clunkers. So it's not a thing where I have to cut off the end of the, the, the refrigerator box and, like, a bunch of UPC symbols and send it in or something with, like... Uh, uh, you know, it, this isn't like a this isn't like a Kellogg's Frosted Flakes rebate type no. thing or like something from Radio Shack that I always forget to do. No, I do not believe so. Now, there, you know, I guess every, you know, one every merchandiser can have their own way of dealing with it. But I believe that it works like cash for clunkers. That let the me, money goes back to let me ask you this question about the cash for clunkers thing. Uh, you, you were just not have, for, for this one, though, you do not have to trade in your old appliances. So you were saying uh, that this is this is to get people to buy more energy efficient uh, appliances right. or whatever. So the cash for clunkers thing, what was the government's motivation for that? It was it because they wanted us to buy more fuel efficient cars. You know, to be honest, the people who wrote that bill were folks from Michigan and from states who were dealing with a serious problem in the car industry. And so the first people who were pushing that idea were ones who wanted to sell cars. They wanted to try and get the industry back on its feet. And as that idea started getting more attention, then uh, Democrats who said, wait a minute, if we're going to do that, we should also make sure that people are buying more fuel-efficient cars. And sort of it snowballed and became both of those ideas in one. Seems like if they're if they're more fuel efficient, then therefore uh, it seems like you would want people uh, buying cars that use more gas because then you're going to have to patronize uh, you know your local gas merchant more often, and it's going to it's you know it's going to be stimulus for the economy. If you only have to go if you buy have to buy gas you know one third as many times as you did before, seems like you are depriving uh, your local Arco filling station from uh, being the recipient of the money in your wallet. Rick, you're so delightfully 2009. Man, let me let me take you back to 2007 and 2000. 2008, when uh, you know the the average gas station was making no money, and they still do not make a lot of money. Most of the money you pay uh, for your gas goes, of course, to the gas corporation. Some goes to taxes. A lot of it goes to bringing gas from other countries, bringing the oil. Um, remember back then, we were all railing against you know yes. big foreign oil. So that that's why they 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 want us to be using less gasoline because the truth is, it costs us more um, to be bringing in that oil and to be patronizing, sadly, our, our local, you know, gas station uh, than it would to, you know, cut down on how much gasoline we use. So, that, that's a better direction, most economists say, for this country. So the cash for clunkers thing ends today. Now, please tell me, is yeah. there some, is there like a, like a, uh, some hard deadline of like one fifteen p.m.? Am I going to be, will I get to see people scrambling to get onto a lot before it ends? Like, <laughs> dem- pointing at a car random, like, uh, the, the, that, the, uh, 
whatever that is. I want that one right there. <laughs> exactly. People just splayed out on the hood of a car. Right. Yeah, 5 p.m. is the hard deadline. The whistle blows. But this is the trick. I'm not sure everyone's really reporting this right. That is the deadline not for people to get in a sale, you know, get a little stamp at the dealership. That is the deadline for dealers to get in all of their information about uh. every sale. So what's happened is, and we reported this Friday, but I don't even CNN, you know, I put this story out there, and even CNN hasn't really quite gotten it, I think, that a lot of dealers, in fact, I would say most dealers have stopped already. They're, they're turning away people for cash for clunkers now. There may be a few that are still offering um, in the Portland area, around the country, but you've got to call ahead because what's happened is the government set up an online system for dealers to submit each claim and believe it or not that system is incredibly slow no i know no unbelievable and actually it's taking deal and several dealers told me this it takes between one hour and seven hours to put each claim in oh. so each sale and it's because the system freezes it really wasn't built to hold all of this traffic and of course everyone's waited to the last minute so a lot of dealers have spent the entire weekend just entering data and some of them have stayed up all night because of course there's less traffic at three in the morning so they're there at three in the morning entering their cash for clunkers information and a lot of them say hey if we get a new deal today we're not sure we're going to enter it in time because the government has said 5 p.m. comes we don't care. It's only the paperwork that we have then. If you don't get it in and you've already given the discount, it's too bad. Then you just have to eat that. That, you know, now, on the other hand, the president has said, oh, we're going to pay all the dealers. Everything's going to be fine. But dealers are sweating it. They're not convinced that's well, uh, the case. Well, yeah, I mean, of course. I can't blame them. Of course the president says that. The, the president is, uh, they used to tell the story about Dana Carvey and about how Dana Carvey would say, like, if you're pitching him a project, he'd say yes to anything, you know, <laughs> because he wanted to be a nice guy. He, he wanted to be your pal. And then as soon as, like, if an agent came in, you know, Dana, I've got a great idea. Um, I, uh, here, I want you to be the voice of a box of singing Bisquick. And Dana Carvey would say, like, no, it's a great idea. I really think that's a natural uh, symbiosis. That's wonderful. And then as soon as the guy left the room, Carvey would tell his agent, like, all right, you, you got to make get, stop that. You got you, you got to get me out of that somehow. So right, right. Obama totally is the good cop in that way, right? He said, no, 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 it's going to be fine. Everything's going to go smoothly. And then Rahm Emanuel has to come in and be, you know, and just start busting skulls on people. I, I think that's the way it's kind of gone. Now, I, I do think in this case, you get a lot of angry dealers. The government's going to have to do something. So we've got this deadline, 5 p.m. today. The uh, One of the largest associations of car dealers has asked for more time. They've asked for another week. They haven't gotten it yet. So we're way, we, we're trying to get the, uh, the folks who are running this program here in Washington to call us back and say, are you going to give them more time or what? So right now the deadline is 5 p.m., that could change between now and 5 p.m. Hey, real quickly, just to, as we wrap this up here, I was reading this thing about the CIA and these Al-Qaeda guys. Is it true that we were interrogating Al-Qaeda guys with an electric drill? This is what we're reporting today, yes. Sources have told us we expect a report out today that confirms this. Sources have told us that... Um, in particular, one suspect, the man who is accused of being the mastermind between, behind the USS coal bombing, that at one point, um, apparently he was at a CIA black site. Um, it's possible this happened at Guantanamo Bay, but it seems this was probably uh, somewhere under rendition, that, that he was threatened with an electric drill, and he was also threatened um, with gunshots in the neighboring cell that were made to kind of 
sound like there was an execution next door, that it was a mock execution of a fellow prisoner. Now, here's the trick. We don't know exactly when this happened. We'll find out in the report today. Those things were made illegal in a 2005 law. Remember the whole anti-torture right. law, John McCain? Yeah, they, they made that illegal, the threat of death. However, this, this probably was before that, and at that point, it was not in CIA guidelines. It was certainly outside of what the CIA was supposed to be doing, but we don't know if it was so this is this is like some uh, this is like some really brutal version of the cash for clunkers deadline where they wanted to no 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 we've only got till five p.m. to terrify this guy with an electric drill. <laughs> What's that? Yes. Can you yes. Imagine, hey, what, what do you guys got? You got pixie sticks? We got some pipe cleaners and a drill. Okay. No 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 five p.m. Get me the kettle prod now. <laughs> Jesus. Right. You know, I, but see, my other question about this is, you know, I think we're in a very tricky place. You know, Americans watch Twenty Four and they all expect that this is what the CIA does. Yeah, sure, they're going to threaten guys with right. electric drills. That's what they do. Well, it's Seems like at a certain point we've just started putting Al Qaeda guys in Azkaban. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> seriously, like, uh, like you know, like like Severus Snape is there. Like, you are going to tell me what I want to know, and then there's like a Dementor looming in the background. It's funny to me that that everyone is so surprised when we find out that this is true. You know, I'm not saying that it's right, but it's like everyone is like, oh my gosh, we're threatening guys with electric drills. You know? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, really, are people really shocked by that? I'm not. Again, I'm not saying it's right, and it is something. We've got to discuss and figure out. And obviously, America has some problems as far as how we're treating people. But um, you know, really, are you shocked? I'm going to give a guy. I'm going to go threaten a guy with an electric drill just this afternoon. That's how commonplace. How about if we get Brad Pitt to scalp them? <laughs> Moving forward, Lisa Desjardins. Thank you. It is always a pleasure. We will talk with you soon. You. Okay, there you bye. go. Thank you, Lisa Desjardins. All right, excellent. Fantastic. Straight ahead, Sarah Dillon and I will recap last night's episode of True Blood. Now, have you are you caught up? You're totally finished. Like one minute left. Yeah, no, it's the real quality. Yeah, they'll pull it out. The quality all comes in the last 60 seconds. Okay. And uh, Tim Riley has more news as well. Stay there. We return after this live from Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Where I come from, it is normal to be gay. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's Rick Emerson show on Rock 101 and KUFO. And at this point in time, we're going to go ahead and give away a pair of tickets to see Joe Rogan. He's going to be performing at the Aladdin Theater this Friday, August 28th. Of course, he does the uh, color commentary for the uh, UFC match on the 29th. His uh, gig the night before is at the Aladdin Theater. He'll be doing stand-up. you got to be 21 and over to use these. A pair of tickets to see Joe Rogan right now if you are a caller 10 at 503-228-4101. Tim, what headlines are we following for the uh, good people of the River City? Glue on a toilet seat is called a sick joke. If you want the tube above Marilyn Monroe's at Forest Lawn, actually she's buried in Westwood Village Memorial Park, but you're going to have to beat the bid of $4,601,800. No, no. Really? No, I don't think so. Yeah. It seems like for $4 million, I could probably have somebody just go get me Marilyn Monroe and bring her back to my house. Mm-hmm. Well, you should be able to. And, of course, that uh, the guy wanted for killing the beautiful model... Kills himself. Now, did anybody watch that show when it was on? No. No. Tim? Yeah. I, see, uh, I mean, it, it's a reality show jungle out there, really. I mean, and that's... that. Like, what was it? Megan Wants a Millionaire? Yeah, and I don't mind saying that I'd actually never even heard of it. Uh, because there's just, yeah, there's just too many reality shows to keep track of them all. I watch a VH1 countdown every so often. 
What is the VH1 countdown? Is that where they're counting the music? Like the top twenty, yeah. Of of, of of songs. Yes. What sort of songs do they do on VH1 now? I haven't watched it in a while, but it's your regular top forty. They just t- take out all the rap stuff. Well, do you remember they, that they come up with their own? Because uh, there was this. Uh, it's like if Casey Kasem was still doing the top twenty or uh, top forty. I remember that there was this time when I was, you know, uh, and this is not just about aging, but it's about marketing too. There was, you know, growing up, I watched MTV. And VH1 was for old people. Uh, and VH1 was like, it was all Michael Bolton and Phil Collins and Mike and the Mechanics. And then at a certain point, I started watching VH1 because they had behind the music and whatever. And then I realized at a certain point, I was watching VH1 Classic, which is sort of creepy because it makes you realize that there's a guy in a conference room in New York somewhere deciding what I'll watch. And then I just right. do it without even realizing Oh, yeah, it. you're totally typecast. Yeah, where I just, you know, like, why did I start watching VH1 Classic? I don't know, some guy in a marketing department somewhere decided I was going to. So when you say VH1, so it's but is it like top forty? But is it like minus like uh, the the hip and the hop? Yeah, all right. But it's a top twenty, and then they have these MCs who like only host it once, and they're it's like who are these people? Right, they're like these people just hanging out in bars and stuff or on the street, and you have no idea how do they select these people, and they're only on like once, and then they disappear. Well, that was my thing with uh, with MTV is I realized that I was out of the loop when I no longer recognized any of the VJs. Mm. Uh, as soon as I was like, you know, it was like a guy named Toure with like a dot in the middle of his name. I'm like, I don't know who you are. I'm done watching. Yeah. All right. Sarah Dillon, are you ready to recap last night's episode of uh, True Blood? I sure am. Uh, do you see what I mean now? Because I know you had a few minutes of it still to finish. Now that you're I done, I just finished it like uh, like six minutes ago. So it was ridiculous. And how great, by the way, that my TiVo wouldn't record Mad Men any of the three times that it aired, but it recorded True Blood first <laughs> no time. Problem. Burned it to DVD, brought it in for you today. <laughs> do you see what I mean when I say that it's like if there were there was going to be a Jump the Shark episode so far? It's it's they last night. Too many plot points going on, and not enough focus on any of them. And it just became absurd. So spoilers, lol. But. That moment when Jason Stackhouse is standing there holding some flashlights and they're holding a pair of deer antlers up behind him and he's pretending to be a god of no, some it kind. A, it was a stick. It was a branch. And I was thinking to myself, really, is this where we've come on this show? Like, it, I think that the show is effing with us. I think they are just screwing with us now well, to see would, what we'll swallow. Why would they put Hot Eric in the beginning and then not touch on it ever again? It's like, okay, Sookie has another porny dream about him and then, yeah. oh, that's it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I have no... And then it ends with a totally... Uncliffhangy cliffhanger. Because we don't know who the queen is, so who cares that there's a bloody foot? Bill walks into a room and I see a bloody foot, and it's like, but I don't know whose foot it is. I don't know where the room is. I mean, it was. I I don't look. I'll just say it. I, last night's episode wasn't any good. It wasn't good. You Not know, even and, in a terrible, bad, enjoyable kind of way. It was just bad. And you know that I've been like watching it, and usually I can focus and I like want to, but I've been doing so many other things this morning, and I didn't even really care. I'm like, oh, this is something I've got to. That get was back. my thing last night. Is it became work at yeah. a certain point. I was just like, oh, I guess I got to watch this damn vampire show. No, and the thing with with Terry and his black eyes yes. was really. Um, yeah, it was just annoying. Like all that, that all the humping and drinking. Seriously, and I've all had, that was just it's just over the top. I'm, I'm done with that. And I didn't really think I'd say this. I've had enough sexing to last me for uh, you know on that show. I just uh, I'm done with it. You know, mm-hmm. they, let's go off and have another orgy. And, uh, you know, I'm done with the orgy scenes. Yes. I'm, I've moved on from that. I moved on from that. I moved on from idiot uh, Tara and her stupid uh, mother. Ugh. I moved on. Eggs, I gotta go get eggs. Ugh. I I moved I've moved on from everybody. Maybe I'll feel better once uh, next week's episode. There's only two episodes left in the season. So maybe when they wrap this up, maybe I'll be maybe by the time next season rolls around I'll be back. Last night's episode was so bad though. Here's another thing I've had enough of. I've had enough of everybody simultaneously being a sex fiend, a junkie and an alcoholic, but also walking with Jesus. Oh, God. Like you know, be one or the other. I everybody on the show is evil in some way. 
Many of them are evil and supernatural beings. Many of them are evil and supernatural beings and also drug dealers, and yet they're all deep Bible-fearing folk, mm-hmm. like at their core. I've, I've, I've had enough of that as well. I did think that thing that um, that monument that Marianne built in her front yard was pretty cool looking with all the meat. With the meat? With the meat. I like a tree full of meat. Stuff. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. I don't know. I thought it, I, it was pretty decent. It was it was decent. I don't like the whole Sookie Bill thing. Like as soon as they got engaged, like their acting just started to suck even more. Yeah. No. I you uh, can tell like there's real life love, and it's just like it's making their acting even crappier. The great thing about that show, though, continues to be Jessica the Vampire. So of course we only got like five minutes, or she was the single, but she is now, in my opinion, I'm saying for me, she and Eric. But especially her. And Lafayette. Are you still on Team Lafayette? No, nah, see, I'm done with him, too. Yeah. I, I've written everybody off. I've just gotten so jaded. That Jessica chick, the young vampire, she is, to me, the most interesting character on mm-hmm. the show. Uh, because she's so... There's so many facets to her. She she is not a one-dimensional character. Uh, I find her to be really, really interesting. And the two seconds that we got with Eric today was hot. The Eric stuff was great. Uh, it's like... But, but they wave that bright, shiny object at you, and then they don't show him for the rest of the episode. No, not at all. And they just show the people that, that count the least. Yeah. Like, they showed... This episode was basically focused on secondary characters. Yeah. That did not matter at all. Yeah. And and I think it's... A, and they must have had some special effects money left over, because it's a lot of just, like, showing everybody with the black eyes, you know, looking Ugh. at... You know, with the jet black uh, eyes and and the... And it, for no real reason. Just endless, prolonged shots. And... Finally, my... do you have your worst line that you remember? I don't have it queued, but I remember mine. Uh, no, what is your uh, mine? Was when line? Bill was looking at uh, Suki, and after she was trying to read Tara's mind, he's like, Suki, you gotta look into her mind deeper than you've ever looked into That is my before. worst line as well. <laughs> you must so go em- deeper into her than you have ever gone before. It was so embarrassing to yeah. just watch it. And then Anna Paquin just has those big, uh, weird, gappy teeth of hers and just says, But it's like it's black, there's just nothing in there, but it's she just has dark. no soul. Marianne's right. not going to be happy. She doesn't just want their hearts. She you know, we spend a lot of time talking about a show that we don't really like. You know what? It's number one search on the Google Trends, so obviously it's, we're not alone. <laughs> Giving the people what they want, Sarah. Straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley. It's the Rick Emerson Show live from downtown Portland, Oregon. From the director of Independence Day. I don't find her pilot. I belong in the air. Target remains. Repeat. Target remains. Get out of the way. Get out of the way now. Oh my God, I'm looking at a baby. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Well, it must be time for my nitroglycerin. My bunions hurt. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Oh, it's good to laugh. <laughs> it is. Jesus. Then go back to making Anne of Green Gables references. <laughs> It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Dax Holt from TMZ and Don Taylor from Movies.com. So tomorrow, I have time to get into it now. Tomorrow, Don will uh, discuss this controversial uh, column that she wrote recently. One that was getting her, I'll say this, that I actually got not even hate mail. I actually got mail, like emails sent to me while I was on vacation from people wanting me to sit down and have a talk with her. Not even like an angry talk. Sort of a, I actually got an email that said we need to have an intervention with Dawn. And it was all because of this thing that she wrote. Uh, and we'll talk more about it tomorrow. So I don't mean to be like uh, Johnny. Oh, I don't uh, even know what you're talking about. Yeah, don't don't look it up. It'll be it'll be it's uh, it'll be better if it sort of catches Jeff garbage. She wrote a column that uh, has stirred the waters a little bit. So uh, we'll talk to Don Taylor about that tomorrow. Also, Dax Holt 
uh, from TMZ and so forth. Don't forget, this coming Friday, the KUFO.com half-off sale continues, including a $25 gift certificate to the Thirsty Lion Pub. It's European flavor right in downtown Portland, serving lunch, dinner, and beverages seven days a week. American favorites and British fare as well, plus the list of domestic and import drafts and uh, sports on the 50-inch plasma screen. You go to KUFO.com this Friday at 9 a.m. and get yourself a uh, certificate for half off. However, if you're a caller 10 right now, you get one of those uh, for nothing. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. You get one of those if you're caller 10 right now just for being caller 10 at 503-228-4101. At the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland, 847 now. It's going to be back into the low 80s today with overcast skies. A man with a knife robbed a Motel 6 last night. This happened at Southeast Powell Boulevard. The man pushed his way into the office and took cash. It's just that one at, like, Powell and 31st or 4th or whatever? See here, uh, I mean, it's got to be. Yeah, it's, How many it's, can it's there be? be? A similar robbery took place at another Motel 6 Thursday along Southeast Stark. In that case, the man who uh, robbed the place was also armed with a knife and remains on the loose. I have to tell you, I don't mean to pick on that place, but about every Fourth time I drive by that Motel, Motel 6, there's cops in the parking lot. And probably once a month I'll drive by and there's police tape around something. I mean, that place is just, uh, I, I have nothing, no, no issues with the Motel 6. I'm just saying that particular location, it seems to be. Uh, the one on Powell? Yeah. There's, oh, yeah. There's, every, the one right next to the Safari Club? Yeah. Safari. Something going on there. There's some sort yeah. of issue with that place. I love it, too, because whenever you drive by, the price on the rooms changes. Totally. Well, the digital thing, some nights it'll be like $12, other nights it'll be like 80 Depending on whether they're power washing blood out of one of the rooms. Yeah. This room is a little less uh, right now. Here's Tim Riley. You'll find the same scuzzy goings on at the motel in Hope BC today. The manhunt for the murderer, Ryan Jenkins, is over. The 32-year-old found dead in his motel room in British Columbia. Apparently it's a suicide. Well, it is. The victim's mother, Jasmine Fiore's mother, Lisa Laporte, has mixed feelings about his death. But for the most part, she didn't like him. It brings some closure to what's been going on. I mean, we don't have to worry about looking for him anymore or being worried that he's a threat to anyone, any other women. Now, the mystery is, who's the attractive girl who paid cash for his room while he waited in the car? She's in her 20s and very lovely. She has since disappeared. Maybe he he found like the one girl who knew him from the reality show but didn't know him as murdering guy. You know what I mean? And he said, oh, no, no, i got to get away from the paparazzi. You know how they are with us stars. Yes. I mean, that's what I would do. Uh, by the way, somebody Not says... Not uh, given it thought or anything. No, I have. Uh, somebody uh, says, I have uh, that Megan Wants a Millionaire show on tape, but I hadn't actually watched it. So she talks about going back and watching it once this, this other part of the story had unfolded. And she, uh, she in the third episode, Megan went on a private date with this guy. I keep wanting to say Leroy Jenkins, but it's not. It's uh, Ryan Jenkins. Uh, all I kept thinking, oh, this is so creepy. All I kept thinking about was what this girl would look like with no teeth. Thanks oh, so much. God. I appreciate oh. that. Thank you, miss. All right, there you go. It's no. Rick Emerson audience. Well, let's think about Miley Cyrus instead. Her pole dancing at the Teen Choice Awards. Another Where's... thing we missed while we were out of town, by the way. Mm-hmm. Billy Ray Cyrus is commenting on Miley's pole dancing. You know what? I just think that... Um... Miley loves entertaining people. She loves singing, songwriting. I always tell her, you know, that to love what you're doing and uh, stay focused, you know, for the love of the art and not worry so much about opinions. Well, as Dairy Queen says, just remember to scream until Daddy stops. All of you at work on the Twitter right now, listen up. There are some things you shouldn't be putting up there. Uh, for instance, some of the recent examples, they got people in hot water. A co-worker smuggled out a chair for me. I'm currently uh, sitting around listening to something on iPod. I don't hate my job today as much. 
Also, posting things about having sex dreams with people at work also makes for an awkward day. And, huh, with my boss on Twitter, maybe I should take down that sexy picture of her, but her reaction will be priceless. Why would you? Well, there was something I saw the other day, actually. Somebody sent me a screen capture of a woman who had put up a Facebook posting. And it was like, you know, hey, my boss is a dick and, you know, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure. It amazes me the, pe- the stuff people put on Facebook. The yeah. best thing about it was, though, first comment was from the boss, you know, and he's like, hey, well, uh, you're fired. So, like, I, mean, I may be a dick, but now you're jobless. I have a friend who lives in Seattle who, um, God bless her heart, she's a sweet girl, but she do- makes poor decisions. And one of them, like, she was writing every day about how much her job sucked and how she hated it. And then, like, lo and behold, yesterday I saw her update. She's like, so I was laid off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be doing that. No, 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 no. Don't do that at all. All right, let's do uh, one more here, and then we will uh, draw the curtain down on today. Well, a man you, who used a public toilet at a shopping mall was taken to a hospital to have the seat removed from his backside after somebody smeared it with glue in what officials condemn as a sick joke. The 58-year-old man was humiliated. An ambulance was called to help the man after he was found stuck to the adhesive glue of the toilet seat at a busy shopping mall. They took him to the hospital, and they used industrial solvents to get it off, so it is doable. Uh, the man who will not be identified was not injured, but is extremely embarrassed, said a spokesman for the town. I'm disgusted that a gentleman had to go through that because somebody thinks it's funny. It isn't. I remember when I was a kid, we all would have, we would have these sort of horror stories that would float around urban legends about super glue and uh, crazy glue and all that stuff, and how if you, you know, if you, if you get one drop on you and it'll seal your hands together, because there were those commercials that they would air. Remember that commercial where it shows the guy dangling from his hard hat or whatever? Oh, yeah, I remember that. It's like a guy holding onto his hard hat, which they've attached mm-hmm. to the bottom of a, of a crane with one drop of super glue. And as was a kid, we always heard that that like, and if to, like you would see it in the store, and it seemed like plutonium, like you didn't even want to touch it because it just it was so unbelievably dangerous. Um, and it, and my mom worked in the ER, and every now and again you would hear these, uh, you know, would hear these. And with my mom, everything was an anti-drug scare story as well. So my mom would come in occasionally with these stories about, and then he ran out of cocaine, so he snorted super glue, you know, or whatever. And it was always snorting and injecting something. You know, that you shouldn't. Like, my mom told me the story one time about that guy who, like, ran out of drugs, and so he decided to inject peanut butter. And the super glue, though, like, figured into all of these stories. And then as soon as I became an adult and I started working on this damn show, we started hearing these stories once a year about somebody mixing up the super glue with their eye drops. And so the fear came back, you know, like tenfold. So it's a substance that continues to terrify me. Uh, Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Dax Holt from TMZ and Don Taylor. From Movies.com, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents Amanda Moyer and Lisa Desjardins, as well as Evan Handler from Californication. Uh, the second season comes out on DVD tomorrow. Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian as well. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. For Rock 101, KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley. On the phones, Greg Nibbler. The front desk, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. The webmistress is Bridget from upstairs. And Alpha Broadcasting, uh, Portland. Portland, Alpha Broadcasting, Portland Marketing Guru. Yeah. I got to figure go. out how to say that. <laughs> it's going to be a whole mouthful of words. I got to uh, rejigger around. Uh, Susan, don't f with me. Reynolds, executive producer. When Christopher J. Paddock, Tim Riley is wearing a tattoo on his right bicep. What did you say? Did you say, ladies and gentlemen, Black Label Society? Yes. Did well, you no, say, I are you ready to rock? Soon. I did. I asked, are you ready to rock? The answer is always yes, Tim. It was. I was amazed. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Buzz is up next with uh, smells like the nineties. It is. I don't know what the date is because every time I hit it, it goes and makes a plonking sound. The 24th. End. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.